11 o'clock comics episode 79 <laughs> 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 nicely done David well done your best friends. Precision. Oh. You must have had some love in before that we were sort of energized. Hey guys, can I just, uh, I want to, uh, remind myself to, uh, come to some more books of Dark Horse. Yeah, I it's fucking, it's fucking sweet. I didn't get it today, but I have it coming in the box. Yeah, it is cool. Do. It's coming in the box. I have, I'm all hopped up on the dope. <laughs> I'm a little dope. Yes, more, no. more, more dopier than usual. I was gonna say, what, 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 what drugs are we going to suggest that people take this week? Well, uh, Tylenol PM. <laughs> That's what I'm on now. Because I'm all stuck. Hey, buddies. What did you say, David? By the way, is one of the newest members of our show. <laughs> that was cute when I saw that. Awesome. But, but but they spelled the last name uh, M A X, and it's actually yeah. Pepe Mac. Pepe Max, yeah. Pepe Max, probably Pepe Max cousin, yeah. Yeah, from the other side of town, the bad side. Hey, everybody! It's eleven o'clock. Comics. I am Flippa Dippa. No, I'm no. Vince B. Whoa! No, you're not. <laughs> no, you're Where not. Did I see <laughs> I saw, um. Wood did tweeted that yesterday. What's he that? He says, I'm Vince B and I, I, I like manga and oh. Jack Kirby and Zappa. Yeah. And I said, oh, I don't I like those things. I love uh, those things. You love Zappa. I uh, do. Speaking of Flippa Dippa, did I see in the leaked solicits, the diamond solicits, that they're, uh, that they're coming out with a Newsboy Legion collection? Yes, you did. Oh, really? Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Kirby's Newsboy Legion. Nice. Yes, Hardcover? Yes. I think so, yep. I think I will be there. Is that, uh, I think it's in the same style as the, uh, Fourth World Omnibus and the Losers and the Demon mm. and all that. It looks pretty, it looks pretty sweet. Even DC misses you, Vince. They were trying to figure out how to get you back. I uh, think Kirby, Kirby's the got, only way they're going to get me back. We got to bring some flip-a-dip into this bitch to get <laughs> yeah, back. Speaking of coming back to DC, I have a harrowing comics experience story for you guys in a little while. Oh, all right. Yeah. Very unfortunate. No, it's... Go ahead. All right. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm Christopher Neesman. I'm David Price. And I am Ego the Living Planet. <laughs> well, you're half right. See <laughs> 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 a little, self, a little self-parody there. No, you're not. Big-ass Ego the Living Planet. You are Jason <laughs> Wood in the house with us. Once again, we're all here. I love Play it. Play on players. That's right. What a week so far. Oh, my God. I'm has, exhausted. Uh, yeah, I'm all like, yeah. uh, it's not a flu. It's some kind of cold with a chest thing going on. It's nasty. You've acclimated, as they say. And I don't get sick, usually. Because like all that radiation I had usually kills things before it gets to me. So it's like, whatever this is, it's pretty tenacious. 
Yeah, I, uh, I, I, I had stopped drinking during the week, and uh, last night <laughs> so um, I, I, uh, I fell off, I fell off the wagon in a big way. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, you know, it was the second. Yeah, I am not twenty five years old anymore because uh, this is the second Oof. time in in less than a week that I've been out till like three o'clock or later. Wow. And yeah, not uh not moving so well today. So did Marta make you sleep out in the reading room? No, but she was uh she was wondering where the hell I was. I got a <laughs> I got a I got a uh a frustrated phone call at about about two thirty in the morning. Mm. Like, where the hell are you? So but the last one, not last night, but earlier last week, uh we had Christian Alame on A C mm-hmm. and that one was his fault because he kept me out until like four o'clock in the morning. Oh yeah, Great those damn those damn French half French half Greek guys can drink their faces out. I'm telling you, man, that guy that guy can he's got stamina. Yeah, I wasn't sure if you were gonna uh, I wasn't sure if you were gonna record tonight, Chris, because uh, you've already been on two podcasts this week. So I was. I sure. know, I know. It's um, that's uh, the Marvel Comics version of stamina. Stamina. <laughs> I tell you, man, the, the the synapses are not are not firing all right now. So. The trifecta of AC, iFanboy, and 11 o'clock all in one week. Yeah, big thanks to the iFanboy You're all over the place. Uh, I know. I'm overexposed, man. (laughs) My wife constantly reminds me I I, uh, love the sound of my own voice way too much. Too bad there wasn't a legend in your own mind. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, big big thanks to the uh, the iFanboy guys uh, for letting me sit in this week and all the all the stories that Jason told me about uh, about the uh, the iFanboy process, the working method. It was all true. I mean, those right, guys, right, those very guys are, organized. I mean, that there there are no tangents to no. to to be no. on Man. off on. It's so I'm used to I'm used to like this, and even AC is like <laughs> just like totally about where the conversation is flowing. That. Is not the case with iFanboy. They are business, business, business. All business. Uh, yep. All Which business. Is, that that's kind of that's kind of amazing. Whenever you think they've done that for over two hundred episodes, it's mm-hmm. that is their format, and they stick to it, and they're very good at it. So, uh, but uh, yeah, literally, right. yeah. Yep, Sticking yep, big, to the script, yep. Big, big difference because we never stick to our script, no matter yeah. how much time Vince puts into it. We never <laughs> <laughs> But there's a lot of room for different approaches, and I think theirs is just as valid. And it makes oh, for a, a hell of a listen. You know, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Something hey. to be said about professionalism. Thank God it's not a requirement, have. though. I know. Yeah, exactly. But the only the only script we have is uh, is the intro here, which is uh, get everybody introduced and then go through the drink roll call. So, Vince, is it Peppy Mac? Peppy Mac, woot! Can you can you uh, shuffle me around w- once in a while? Because I always go first, and it's just like Peppy Mac. And That's because Chris has on. such disdain for you. He just I know. To get you out of the I need to get you out see, of the way. Introduce yourself as that, and just to kill two birds with one stone. I'm Peppy Mac. This ties into my heroin comics experience. I had a beer last <laughs> night. I treated myself after three months nice. of of no alcohol. I said, uh-huh. you know what? I deserve a damn beer. And I had one, and it was a big, oh, painful mistake. Ooh. You'll, you'll Ooh. see. Yeah. All right. Yeah, it does not involve bowel movements or any kind of passing of waste. It, it, you, you'll, you'll see. All right. All right. Yeah. Uh, Jason, how about you? I am drinking uh, a nice glass of Jameson Irish whiskey right now. Very nice. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Yeah, it's really. Uh, he it's loves a, you. I, I, he don't love it's me a, anymore. 
I need to I need to get uh, I need to get stocked back up on my Jameson because that's what I make hot toddies with in the winter. Oh uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Gotta, See, I would I not drink one of those. A hot toddy? Yeah, only because it's called like a hot toddy. I know. I drink a hot oh, Sally every now and then, but not a hot toddy. Dude, I've got a, I've got an I've got an awesome hot toddy recipe. It's, I make <laughs> my, the hot toddies I make are the fucking bomb. So <laughs> whenever whenever we finally get to uh, uh, freezing temperatures around here, which it was mm-hmm. beautiful today, it was like seventy degrees. Yeah. Um, whenever we get to freezing temperatures, I'll I'll, I'll bring out the hot toddy recipe. Isn't yeah, that the uh, isn't that yeah, I think hot toddies, aren't they the official drink of the center on Halstead, I think? Isn't that, uh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Why don't, don't can you call it a, call it a toddy bomb? A toddy bomb. Or, or a bomb toddy. I'm drinking a bomb toddy, bitch. We'll have to, yeah, we'll have to rename it. Uh, Back to uh, David, how about you? Uh, I'm trying a new one this week. The, uh, the liquor store by the house has a nice little display with, uh, well, right now they're focusing on the wines that uh, donate proceeds to, uh, to to breast cancer research. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, the one I had a couple weeks ago, I think it was uh, tattooed. But this one, it's called Fat Bastard. It's, uh, it's a Merlot. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh the bottom of the uh the, the the bottom of the of the bottle where it's it's concave it, it feels like there, there's a nipple at the bottom of it because <laughs> oh it's funny is the uh it's it, there's a hippo don't know what they even don't know what the hippo's for on the label but it, it came with a little tag around the uh, around the neck and it, it tells you that uh you know for the seventh consecutive year uh proceeds from the sale of each bottle will go to uh support breast cancer research and the little ribbon on the tag says save second base. Oh, that's cool. Oh, that wow, cool. That's why I bought does, it. Yeah. Does it say anywhere on the oh, bottle, get in my belly? No, it doesn't. I was going it to. It should. For that, though. Yeah. That's, that's it base. gets that's in cute. your belly. And, uh, yeah, I'm having a little, uh, a little hair of the dog that bit me. I'm having a little, uh, little knob, knob creep neat with an ice, ice cube. And that's what oh. buried me last night. So. Ghetto bird. Mm. What? He, he said, you said Ice Cube, and immediately I thought of Ghetto Bird. So. Oh. Free association. Right. Cool. Yeah. Uh, hey guys, this is Dan. Um, I am kind of a lurker on the boards. I'm also, uh, the host of the Robot Sweatshop podcast. And, uh, first I want to say I love the show. Um, it's always great. I love listening to you guys. The reason I'm calling, I never thought I would call, but I was, uh, I was encouraged to encouraged to call when uh, I heard the voicemail from the dude basically saying that Led Zeppelin was more influential than the Beatles. Um for some reason this really uh <laughs> this got my blood boiling in in a way that has not happened in a long time. Um I basically just want to defend you guys and say that um yes, uh you're absolutely right that the Beatles are the best band and to the dude who uh, was saying that they annoy him and Led Zeppelin is more influential. That is absolutely insane. Um, uh, <laughs> no offense. I didn't want to do this on the boards, actually, because I didn't want to start some kind of weird flame war. Uh, but that is insane. And to uh, paraphrase Jack White of the White Stripes, uh, people who say that the, the, the Beatles and Dylan are no good... Uh, either don't know anything about music or just like to listen to themselves talk. And um, in in many ways, the Beatles are better musically and more influential. It's one thing if if you don't care for the Beatles. Uh, I can get that. But to deny their influence um, is nuts. On everything from, 
from uh, the evolution of popular music to the album uh, becoming the art form to fashion. The Beatles were <laughs> way influential than everyone, especially one-trick ponies like Led Zeppelin, um, who I like. Uh, anyway, that is all I have to say, and um, I could go on and on about this, but I believe that is enough. Uh, great job on the show, guys. Um, and uh, I will wait to see if you post this on the show. All right, bye. We have email. Oh, before we get to the email, hey, this episode has been sponsored by DCBS, Discount yeah. Comic Book Service. Yeah, it's a surprise. Nice. You, could, you can find them on the web at DCBService.com. That's one word, dot com. You will be instantly amazed at the amount of discount you can get off your funny books. 35, 45, 50, up to 75% off. You'd be crazy not to check these guys out. Do it, because uh, there's nobody better. Amazingly secure packing, and you get them at the frequency you desire, they'll ship them right to your door. You don't even have to leave the house. You can stay in the basement, play your Nintendo, and get your comics, and never leave the house. DCBService.com. They're awesome. What? You don't have a Nintendo? I just <laughs> don't want to generalize or anything. You, you can no, stay I'm just in your kidding. parents' basement and play your I didn't say parents. Games. I said basement, because the basement's the man room, traditionally, in Pennsylvania, anyway. Our basements are the man room, men room, mm. room of the lair of men. So yeah, dcbservice.com. But we have email. Yes, we do. Well. This one was left on our Libsyn blog. It's from a first-time listener. His name is Simon McCann, and he says, first-time listener here, an amazing podcast. Great to hear people talk about such a varied collection of books. Had a great time listening. Now I'm off to Amazon to get me some Godland Celestial Edition. Oh, but Ooh, good luck. No, he's not. Yeah, he's not. But well, he can get the trades. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, the Celestial be... Edition's out of print. Yeah. yeah. Oh, what they're going for some uh, pretty pretty big bucks. Although I believe Bean or. Uh, yeah, I think it was being found at on uh, maybe cheap bass trades, or I don't know if it was eBay. I mean, yeah, you can you can find maybe used. I think he said something about twenty six bucks, but I believe oh. somebody was selling it for like eighty on eBay. Mm-hmm. Wow! And if you'd like to join in on a discussion about Godland, you can come to our forum forum dot dot com or triple w eleven o'clock comics dot com. And since it freaked him out so much. During the episode in which he heard his name, I think we should all take a second and say hello to Spooky. Hi, Spooky. Hi, Spooky. Spooky. Hi. I got my room mirror out. You spooky bastard. Spooky. Well, you know, it is, spook- it, is, it is getting close to Halloween. Yes, it is. That's right. So we, That's should, right. So we should just keep saying it until then. Yes. Spooky. So, yeah. And, David, I think you had one, too. I do have an email, and it's from a fellow podcaster. Oh, really? Yes. Aaron Makeham. Who'd leave this off now? No. Aaron... <laughs> oh. Over at Sci-Fi Dig loves us. Oh, sweet. Uh, he says, uh, this is some weak feedback, but it is feedback. I love the show. Keep it up, you guys. I have one of the best comic-related podcasts out there. Wow. I've whittled my comics podcast down to about three. Uh, the passion each of you have for the books that you review really comes through when you manage to get me excited about the books that you talk about. I do have a suggestion. I usually listen while I walk in the mornings, and I'm unable to make notes. If it doesn't screw up the rhythm of the show... I'd find it useful if you could quickly list the titles and company of what all of you talked about at the end of the show. I hate giving suggestions because I really do enjoy the show, and you guys keep talking, and I'll keep on listening. Wow, that's a good idea. 
You know what? It's, there, there's a, there's a uh, thing that we we started doing, you know, ways back. Is that when people would uh, suggest them, that's just as good as volunteering to do it. So <laughs> there you go, Aaron. Aaron, you have a new job on yeah. on Fridays when the episodes come out. You can compile that list for us and send it back, and then we'll and then we'll post it on the forum. So thank you, Aaron. Okay. Well, well, I do pretty much that when I'm yeah, you right. I'm writing the show notes as we're going on. David's still talking here, and he's, he's still going. <laughs> he never stopped. He finished. Yeah, yeah, why did I? I write the show notes as we go along. So if David brings up uh, Ghost Rider, I put Ghost Rider, my little <laughs> Yingling book, and that that makes it very much easier when I'm throwing the show notes together at like twelve thirty, uh, one o'clock in the morning. But, yeah, I mean, uh, we could do a recap. I'll just do the recap at the end of the episode. Is that cool? Yeah, if it's not David, a problem. David, sorry for stepping on you, my no, brother. What right. were you saying? No, because I, I did tell him about the show notes, and uh, and he said that, that if you know if the show notes are, are into, like, the lyric section in, in iTunes, if, if the tags are added, the, the notes should show up on... Uh, on your iPod or your iPhone as an overlay of album art. Uh, and then he says, oh, or I could just go to the notes page. But anyway, keep it up, guys. By the way, I've never been excited by Disney comics, but I am now. Oh, Ooh. look at that. Look I'm, at he's that. a friend. Now he's a buddy. <laughs> <laughs> and, I was, and I was just giving Aaron shit. So, um, so good on it's, you, it, The show notes usually pop up in the comments section. So. That's right. Yes, so cool. yes, yes. And uh, Dave... The owner operator of, uh, Comics on the Green listened to our last episode and said, man, it's a hard sell with those guys in the Disney comics, isn't it? I said, eh, you know, what are you going to do? A lot of people don't like funny animal comics. And he's, huh. he, he felt my pain because he's a, he's a huge Uncle Scrooge fan. Well, actually, Chris, it was, uh, he channeled you on iFanboy this week. He, he, uh, he, def- he pimped uh, Uncle Scrooge. Uh, no. No, dude, oh, that, that was, was Ron. That was Ron. Oh, Ron pimped it. Oh, my and God. I said, "What's up, you? Vince?" Nice and I yeah. about it. All right. <laughs> so I, I guess I great minds think that. alike. You have a friend out That's there right. in Ron Richards. That's I got a lot of go. friends out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What we nice. got? What we can talk about? We got plenty to talk about. Oh, a lot of so shit much. to talk about. Oh, yeah. A lot of stuff to talk. I about. I think we should go first for once. I'm thinking that too. Yeah, you think so? See, great minds plugged in. Yeah. Well, I'll happily go. I don't want to get you complex. Ah, nice. Yeah, truth. Um, I'll happily go first this week. Um, so, uh, so I read the last seven issues of Stephen King: The Stand. Nice. Uh, which would actually be the final two issues because they're doing these in five issue arcs. Is this so the Amer- be- American Nightmare? Yeah, I read the last two issues of Captain Trips, which is the first arc, and then all five issues of American Nightmares. Uh, for those that don't know, this is the uh, Stephen King adaptation. The adaptation is written by Roberto Aguirre Sacasa with uh, unreal, ungodly art by Mike Perkins. Uh, it's it's just amazing. And I hope that, you know, for people that are, like, wondering where Mike Perkins has been, I've, I've heard that asked a few times in recent months. Well, he's doing this book, and he's actually going to be on it for, I think, three-plus years because he's – Going to be the penciler yeah. for every issue for, and I think it's a thirty-six issue yes. run. Yes, that's a, that's a coup. That's a major coup for that Mike. Is awesome. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, yeah. and it's going to make an amazing either set of or one hardcover when it's all done. I mean, an, uh, a stand omnibus, I would be all over that faster than Vince on uh, on. Uh, oh know, come on! 
Oh, you're teenage, really uh, working teenage that. Malaysian boy penis. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> oh, so disappointing. But, uh, here, here, you're Mike yeah, Perkins, he likes him and, younger. <laughs> and you're going for a job interview. Say so you want to branch out into the film industry. What's your resume? Boom! Clomp down this huge yeah. omnibus of the stand. All right, dude, no, you hired. No doubt. Yeah. So um, I think it's, it's the best stuff, Mike. Has ever done? Oh, and it's just that is saying something because Mike was the bomb before the mm-hmm. stand started, yeah. and he's absolutely blown me away with this. As there's uh, there were preview pages released today for uh, the Soul new Survivors one, yeah. number mm-hmm. one, and uh, so I guess Soul Survivors is the third chapter, the third yes, book, yes, exactly. Okay? Mm-hmm. And and the art in that, I'm looking at it and I'm like, I can't. I mean, you can tell it's Mike Perkins, but still, it's just like. He's the same dude that was doing every other issue with Steve Epting on Cap. This was the dude mm-hmm. who was doing uh, the Union Jack miniseries. This is just, this is amazing work he's doing. Oh, yeah. Yep. And that's the thing. Uh, the Stand is definitely one of my favorite novels of all time. I've read it many times. In fact, I think it's pretty much the reason that I, I love any type of dystopian or post-apocalyptic stories uh, in any genre is largely because of reading The Stand as a kid. Um, so I, I'm not as familiar with the Dark Tower stuff, which was the first Stephen King Marvel work, and that's also still going on. But my understanding with that stuff, because again, I I don't, as I said, I don't know that as well. My understanding is they've kind of veered some of the newer Dark Tower comics are are a little bit. They're more original stuff, right? They're not. Uh, they're not. It, it, that, that's that's it. Real quickly, that series, the first, uh, I believe, six issues. Was mm-hmm. basically a pretty straight retelling of a novel called Wizard and Glass, which was okay. the third book in the Dark Tower series. Vince, okay. am I right? Right. A uh, Wizard and Glass is the third. You're right. But the, the are th- you saying the the first six issues? The, yeah, the Uh-oh. first six issues of Dark Tower basically retold in comic form the gist of that story, and mm-hmm. then. Everything past that is stuff that happens after Wizard and Glass, which was a flashback story in the Dark Tower series. So it's kind of filling in the blanks in in Roland's uh, youth and how he became a, a, a gunfighter. Got it. So, so this so far is uh, we're ten issues in, and um, it's pretty much just a straight adaptation of of the book. Obviously, it's a it's a challenge here because even in thirty five, thirty six issues, which is what this will eventually be when it's completion. I mean, this is uh, the unabridged version of this is you know a thousand eleven hundred page book, and I have to tell you, ten issues into it, we're still really early in the story. So uh, they're going to have to make some pretty big jumps at some point. I don't know what their plan is for that. I'm sure they have it mapped out. But, um, I mean, because at the end of this arc, uh, you know, it's pretty much none of them have really all met yet still. They're still kind of all just starting to make their travels to, you know, either Vegas or uh, or to, uh, you know, to the fields to uh, to meet with the uh, – Yeah. So, I mean, it's – it's um, so like I said, though, I mean, if, if you're familiar with the book, this will be – this will tread familiar territory, but the visuals, fantastic. Um, I, I, you know, it's hard to really say much about Aguirre Sacasa here other than, again, as someone who's very familiar with the source material, it's, it's, it's been very evocative of that so far, and he's certainly hitting on all the important notes. <laughs> he, so, hasn't fu- he hasn't fucked it up. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly, it, it's, it, even though it's, it's, it's plot-wise a, a, a pure adaptation, clearly there are scenes that are different, um, you know, pulled together. Some of the dialogue is not stuff that was directly out of the book, um, you know, more probably just to bridge stuff quicker. Um, so it, from that perspective, he's doing a great job. But, uh, but it is just a treat. And I had been saving them up because I was finding reading them issue to issue just was a bit maddening because, again, um, it's such a big book and, and I do, I, I so enjoy reading the book. 
uh, in its entirety. I was just finding it just not enough story. So I did wait, and then when I saw that Soul Survivors was coming in my next inbox shipment, I thought, you know what, now would be a good time to catch back up, and uh, and I'm certainly glad I did. So uh, I'm assuming, uh, you know, you guys know the story, but I guess for our listeners, if you're not a Stephen King fan or you're curious about it, I mean, The Stand is um, is one of his more praised works. It's one of his larger works, but basically the premise is a fairly simple one. Um, there is a, a, a plague, you know, it's a, a flu, but it's a, they call Captain Trips, and basically in a relatively short period of time it wipes out uh, a good chunk, 90% of, of the Earth's population, and then uh, subsequent things happen. So basically there's, there's very few people left on the Earth, um, and this story takes place in the United States and sort of, uh, you know, people start, it, part of the story is obviously the, the, what happens after that and sort of people reconcrogating and, and starting new societies and, and the, the juxtaposition of, of, uh, people wanting to sort of live in the same structured way we always have lived, but then, you know, the, the, the realization that you could also live in a completely different way if you can break yourself of the, uh, the societal traps that we're all kind of, you know, born into. Um, and then as in Stephen King, there's also, Start you start seeing as the story goes on. There's quite a lot of mystical, um, you know, quasi spiritual elements too. Supernatural, I guess, for the more more accurate term. Um, so the story gets much bigger than simply you know a, a plague story as as we reach its climax. So great characters. Um, you know, people may have seen the uh, the DVD adaptation. Not that well, they may have seen the uh, the the mini series, which was uh, uh, done what about ten years ago with guys like uh, yeah, Rob Lowe. And, yeah, uh, Rob Lowe, Gary, oh, Sinise. Gary Sinise, Gary Sinise, yeah. Molly Ringwald, uh, which Corey wasn't Sherry. really that bad. For I really didn't mind it. Yeah, I really, yeah, I, I, uh, I didn't. Um, so, yeah. I actually, so um, I asked, uh, I asked uh, Mike Perkins if he had if he had seen it, and this is whenever. Uh, they were just announcing the stand. This would have been at a Wizard Chicago, I don't know, two, two, three years ago or something like that. And he said that he hadn't, he had, he had not seen the miniseries and was, uh, purposefully avoiding it at that point okay. because he didn't want any of that to, um, cloud his, uh, his vision of what people should look like. He didn't okay. want any of that to creep in to the artwork because he was going purely on the descriptions from, from the novel. Mm-hmm. So smart. That, that's why, that's why, yeah. you know. You can definitely tell that. Yeah, I mean, because, which is actually a good thing because I thought if the, if the TV miniseries, which is, you know, available on DVD, Netflix, whatever, and it is worth watching, but I agree. I think the casting there was the only thing that kind of sticks out, right? Is that, um, you know, Molly Ringwald, at least to me, I mean, if you grew up, if you're our age, you know, it's hard to look at Molly Ringwald and see her in that yeah. way. Um, and also, hey, Corey Parker Lewis, man. Exactly. Yeah, Parker <laughs> yeah. Lewis plays the, the, you know her her buddy slash psychopath and 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 he's in the book just a slob you know just a total slob and 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 a you know just physically weak you know overweight you know guy with with no redeeming physical or or mental qualities and then you see Parker Lewis who it's kind of like okay well that's not a very good casting job but uh, but no so I um I a lot of people I know kind of ignore the adaptations and the 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 when Marvel does them and and I would say that you know I understand if if that's not everyone's cup of tea but uh, but I know there are a lot of people out there that love um you know dystopian stories that read you know uh, Anthony Johnson's Wasteland or even something like a Walking Dead and to me this is the mother of all those stories uh, at least in terms of modern fiction so do yourselves a favor at least try the first trade out you can get the first trade on the cheap now I mean it's been out for a while so um and and if you like that then you've got you know five more coming your way that'll be just as good so yeah, good stuff. It, it's a real special time for Stephen King fans because Marvel has cooked up two singular visions. Lightning has struck twice. Mike Perkins' vision will encompass the entire 
run of the stand, and then you have Isonov and Lee on mm. the gun, the gunslinger. Which it's again, funny you put them in that order because <laughs> I, I uh, Mr. Isonov tends to overshadow. Yes, so it, it's the first thing you notice. I mean, aside from the layout and the beautiful page design, he commands your attention, and then later on, Jay Lee's pencils will. will or his work will seep in. But yeah, two unique visions, both equally powerful, equally successful. It's a great time for comic books adaptations of Stephen King. When could you ever have said that before? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's tough. Yeah. Great stuff out of Marvel. I switched to trades on those, by the way. I, I don't I blame switched, you. I switched to hardcovers. Well, yeah. no, I switched yeah. to hardcover on all of the Dark Tower stuff. I still get mm-hmm. the stand and the single issues because that I will probably library bind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, same thing with me on that. I, I I've been reading the tr- uh, trades of the gun of the Gunslinger uh, series, or the what is it? What are the Dark Tower? What do they call this series? Yeah, Dark yeah, Tower. Dark, dark Tower. Um, but. But I'm such a fan of the stand. I knew that I'd want to have the issues, and then I'm uh, like a sucker. I'm definitely buy whatever kind of the the nicest hardcover treatment that they solicit. I'm sure I'll buy that as well. I'm going to make my own hardcover treatment. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Hello. This is Guillermo L from Pennsylvania. A long time listener, first time caller. I just wanted to take a couple of seconds to, you know, bring up Planetary, who is just finished. I think the series was amazing. I don't know why you guys are not talking about it. I know so oh, that little that last issue might be a little underwhelming, which I understand. But I mean, if you read the whole twenty-seven issues as a whole, I think that is the series next to Sandman that has really raised the bar. Um, I would like to hear your th- your thoughts on the matter. But again, thanks for the show. Love it. Uh, you guys keep doing the work. Bye bye. Yes, hi, Guillermo Elgin. I forgot to mention another great series, Preacher. How can I leave it? Of course, Walking Dead. Again, thank you very much. Bye-bye. You want to hear my harrowing story? Because it involves library binding in a way. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Oh, Oh, no. Kind of. Yeah. Am I I getting all crackly? No, no. Oh, you... you, I I, I, I I think I know what happened, and I'm already sad. No, it's, it's not. So last night, I uh, decided to set up my future library binding orders, and I gathered up all my copies of Invincible, Savage Dragon, Air, House of Mystery, blah, 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 just, just trying to get a feel for what I'm going to put on deck, because I, I want to send down at least three volumes worth of stuff every week or so, just to keep a regular wow. rhythm, regular flow coming. So... I picked up the fourth issue of the original Machine Man series <laughs> at, at the flea market a couple of weeks ago for like fifty cents. So I had issue I had issues one to three, and I n- knew exactly where they were because I, I have all uh, our house is not a mansion. We have limited space, so in my office type area upstairs, I have all the books that I'm keeping, and downstairs. In our cellar, which is uh, the home of our humidif- dehumidifier, because in Pennsylvania you need a dehumidifier in your basements. Very damp, very not wet, but it can be if it rains a lot. So, so I have downstairs. I have a, at least seventy comic boxes. Most of it is DC stuff and stuff that I don't want that's going to be sold. So why should I clutter my office with all this stuff? So I have them in the in the basement. And because there's so many boxes, I set up this system with these 
very strong, very sturdy folding tables and two by sixes because I'm not only a pretty face, I decided to distribute the weight across the tables with the two by sixes because comics are heavy. So I'm going through my boxes and I, and I treated myself to a beer drinking it and i put the bottle up on top of a comic box oh no and and all all of a sudden uh, i turned around and i hear this this cracking sound i'm like what the hell is it sounded like well i don't want to say what it sounded like because that'll uh that'll reveal my contributions to the talk we had last week but it's it it sounded like a ripping a a tearing sound and I turned around, and the entire, and it must be a 24 set of 24 foot section of books, double stacked boxes, one on top of the other, just came crashing down. The legs of the tables just shattered. It was just the beer that broke the camel's it's, back. It splintered, oh, and there was wood and splinters and comics everywhere. Hey, I, I wasn't wasn't there, buddy. I couldn't move, <laughs> and and the beer had spilled. Right <laughs> yeah, I got you. So I'm frantically trying <laughs> really? to pick up these boxes, and I'm like, fuck, these things are getting all bent. And I'm picking up the boxes and moving them, and the beer is just pooling. And oh. I lost I lost about 60 books. None oh. of them. Yeah, but, but not, nothing of value because, like I said, it was the DC section on the other side of the room. <laughs> no, he, no, just hear me out. On the other side of the room are the, are the Marvel boxes, which are waiting to come upstairs, but they're not organized yet. So there's maybe eight Marvel boxes on the other side of the room. On the side that fell, there was at least, how many did I say, like 60 or whatever boxes? There was at least 50 boxes of comics just oh. all over the floor. Just everywhere. Uh, uh, like I said, I lost some stuff. I threw them, and, and, and my wife was like, "Ooh, you must be mad." What can you do? It, it, it happened, right? So I picked up all the boxes, reset up new boards with sturdier tables, and I cannot, for the life of me, find those three issues of Machine Man. Oh shit! It, it, it's like they were never there, and I didn't throw them away. They didn't get damaged. They didn't get. Uh, I did lose Doctor Strange: The Oath. That was the one miniseries. Uh. Yeah, well, yeah it's I know, I know. But it's Spider-Man. recent, and, and let me here. Here's the the harrowing part: the the spot where the beer was 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 placed. The 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 nexus of the calamity. Two days ago, the box that was right on top of that was a sizable run of Journey into Mystery, and the first like wow. maybe thirty Thor. After it's, oh, it's switched over, yeah, yeah. all Kirby's, all in, you know. That so would have made me irate. I, I took that box upstairs. Thank God, I got oh, it upstairs. Fates, yep. thank the gods. Yeah, but there's no amazing. There's no Fantastic Four down there. Nothing that I would like slit my throat had anything happened to these things. Uh, what are you gonna do? Yeah. So th- that's the harrowing story. Types of stories, man. Oh, and and when I went down, it was going for one o'clock in the morning because I was like restless. I did my notes for this episode, uh, just looking for something to do. And by the time I got up, it was going for three o'clock in the morning. And I said, I got, I have to go to bed. So I'm all, I'm all kind of dopey and and drugged up this episode, and that's why. Oh man. Yeah. Well, it could have been a lot worse, but still, adventures gives me the adventures in, yeah. in comics loss. Yeah. Yeah. I am clamoring to do some library bonding, dude. Clamoring for it. You know what I sent this week? Tell us. John Burns Namer. 
one to twenty five. Nice. I was I was looking at that. Oh, that's a beautiful looking series. If you if you ignore the fact that Misty Knight's got the old Bell Biv DeVoe Grace Slick squared off hairdo going on, you know, it's pretty funny. It's it's a product of its time. Yeah. But look who look who appeared in those issues. Iron Fist. You had Wolverine, oh, yeah. the the Griffin. Uh, just the, the the direction change from Namor realizing that rampaging over the surface world with a bunch of Leviathans is not going to do it. I'll become a CEO. I'll get Gee, them that way. That'll impress yeah. suit like me. I love it. Right. So it's a great series. I sent down another batch of Hulk. Uh, nice. I'll tell you. I'll tell you exactly what I sent down. Because I'm making myself notes to remember, uh, Incredible Hulk 324 to 349, which includes issue 340. You can gasp away; I don't care. It's meant to be read. (laughs) And I'm finding you can get get an author's writing cover for that anyway. No man, it's it's sweet mint. And uh, all hail Megatron one to sixteen. There you go in one friggin' volume. How that is so cool. Yeah, yep. Tickle my. That's hot. There's the heat. And and I also uh, tipped in the drift uh, spotlight nice. issue where it appears in the continuity. But these Hulk issues have been bagged for more than 20 years. Now, I, I'm, I'm the strongest, most vocal proponent for bagging your books if you want to preserve the quality of these things and you don't care about rereading them. When you open a Mylar bag from a book that's been sealed for 20 years... There is a very strong vinegar smell coming huh. out of those. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's the uh, flexographic uh, printing process they used back then, or it was the ink. It's not the paper because it, you know it's pretty standard paper. But mm-hmm. that period in Marvel's history, the printing is horrible. Just huh. the, the, especially if uh, parts of the comic book art appeared on a, a facing page to one of those video game ads where they used a lot of black uh-huh. in in the ad. The, the ink seems to have bled to the point where you can't even decipher what the ad was in some of these things, and it mm-hmm. leeches on the page next to it. So if you have old books, it's a good idea to open them up every couple of years and let them air out, and then if you want to, rebag them, because you don't want to get those gases trapped in that bag. It's just going to mm-hmm. really... Making the cabbage. Interesting. That's right. You know, you're, you're mentioning Namor. It reminds me of... Um, uh, I picked up the Stan Lee Marvel Visionaries hardcover. Uh, I think you were there whenever I got events um, at Wizard yes, I was. this year. And uh, God, uh, we were at the in-stock trades booth, and they were selling them for, what, like $3 a piece or something? Yeah, I think you got it for like 2 bucks, 2 $3. Yeah, and it's normally like a $30 hardcover. But in that, in that, it's it's just a bunch of of not really random, but but just selections of Stan Lee, some of his uh, kind of classic stories at Marvel. They just picked like I don't know, like eight or eight or ten stories here, going back all the way to like the timely stuff uh, with some uh, early early Captain America stories, mm-hmm. and then all the way to um, I guess a uh, a Spider Man story he did with. Uh, here in the last uh, the last few years, but anyway, they had uh, Daredevil number seven in there. Are you familiar with Daredevil number seven? Sure am. I think that is the. Uh, are, you, uh, are you talking about the art team or the story? Well, the story because you were talking about Namor is one of my okay my favorite and most ridiculous stories ever at Marvel. It's it's uh, Namor coming to New York, and he whenever he gets to New York. 
he realizes that uh, that if he's ever going to um, not conquer, but if he's ever going to like have his way with this country, he's going to need legal support. So he must <laughs> therefore search out search out an attorney in Manhattan. And oh my gosh, wouldn't you wouldn't you know it? it? Just he walks in, just happens to be Nelson and Murdoch. Starts at law, <laughs> which starts the, <laughs> the name where uh, Daredevil team up, which is ridiculous and cracked me up. But it's an absolutely beautiful issue because it's all uh, Wallywood art. Yep, you betcha. And it's also the first red costume, if I'm not mistaken, right? Oh, is it? Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, he didn't have the yellow for long. Yeah, yeah, it's an expensive issue because of that. You nice. Betcha. Well, yeah, not right. because of the Wallywood, but because of the yeah, really yeah, and it, that's it. Well, it's probably really it's true though. You know that that's you know what geeks pay for, pay money for. Who's this? Wallywood guy? I'm worried about the the red costume. Yeah, can you imagine the internet back. Then? They changed his costume. It's been seven issues. What the hell? Yeah, the internet back then. <laughs> Demolition Man took the old costume and made it. Stan Stan did that shit all the time. It's uh, got you think about Avengers, the classic Avengers team. You know, the Iron Man, Wasp, uh, Hulk, Thor, Captain America. That was Mm -hmm. the basically the classic team. Um, Mm -hmm. Totally shook it up. Issue sixteen. It was like a year and a half in, and totally disbanded that team. Oh yeah. You you know, it's funny because I I often think when in today's like David said with the internet and people bitching about continuity gaffes and stuff and we're all like I've been guilty of it. You there's stuff there's stuff that rubs you the wrong way or whatever, but I just think, you know, people need to go back uh even if they read them back in the day, they need to go back and reread comics from from the early days. Just realize how ridiculously contrived and and absurd they all were. They made no sense whatsoever. No matter which side cows. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they didn't have so, to make sense. No, no, but that's my point. Is is I think like I went back and read uh, the first twenty five, thirty issues of Avengers recently, and you forget. Like, I mean, I knew basically, like, I knew that you know the plots, the general plots, but I didn't remember the. And, and you read them, and you just have to laugh. And then it, it, I, I think it gives you perspective as to you know just kind of that comics are just supposed to be fun, and you just. Don't get so freaking hung up about all the little that, things that may not jive, you know. Well, that's what was that's you know what was cool about reading Godland. It's like okay, just fun wacky ideas and throw it in there. I mean, Godland is you know, a lot more a lot more modern than um, I'm making it out to be, but uh, you know, and definitely in comparison to those old comics. But you know, that's what was great about them. They're just big ideas, big action, big fun. So I have started about eight things that I'm in the middle of. Uh, I picked up the Hitman miniseries by Garth Ennis and uh, John McRae, and oh. I'm about uh, a couple issues into that, and I'm enjoying it. It's a very, uh, a very different kind of DC character. If you've read Hitman... Uh, I, I don't know much about Hitman, no. Me you know where he came from? It's a, a, a demon annual? He, well, yes, but it was the, the, the gimmick that spawned the character. Yeah, it was um God, what well, it was some bloodlines. Bloodlines, yes. Uh, every left- every annual is gonna introduce a new character. Ah and he was the one that survived from bloodlines, right? Okay. Okay. For not I guess he's still kicking around the DCU, right? A little bit? I want to I don't see I didn't I didn't read the mini. So I, when you get when you get to the end of the miniseries maybe we'll find out. Okay, all right, because uh, uh, I think 
Tom had mentioned that whenever they were doing the the reformed JLA, that's he, yeah, he was yeah. one of the pictures or one of the one of the one of the people that came in to like interview to be on the JLA. There was, um, there, was well, there was a two issue JLA Hitman mini not too long ago. Oh, okay, okay. And then I'm uh, I'm about halfway through with uh, Brian Talbot's Heart of Empire, which is the uh, the sequel to the Adventures of Luther Arkwright, and it is, um, as you could guess, just fucking wacky, but it's beautiful. Seeing Brian Talbot art in color is yeah. absolutely gorgeous, so... That's uh, I've been, uh, been yeah, I've been kicking those around. Still reading some Bone. It's uh, they're done with the uh, done with the Great Cow Race, and I'm on to volume volume three now. So having fun with that, and uh, yeah, keeping up with all my my world on New Krypton stuff, the Superman family, which continues to be continues to be awesome. It's, uh, Supergirl and uh, uh, Nightwing and Flamebird put the beat down on Reactron this week and uh, there was a very phoenix like moment in there that it's like ooh that's uh, with flame bird and it's like man they they're going back and reading their old x-men issues with this stuff <laughs> so you need you, you need to be my my tether to one okay. because i i uh, i haven't read that since the uh was it the code name patriot since that mm-hmm. crossover started so i mean the last the last issue of, of world of new krypton i read was uh cal on trial so that yeah, was that, like what issue maybe five? Yeah, they they got through that pretty quick. Right. Um, uh, I mean, do you want me to spoil stuff for you? Sure. No, go ahead. Uh, I mean, fine, right. fine for me. I don't know about the other guys. Oh no, I'm fine. I'm pretty. I'm caught up. I didn't read uh, this week's uh, stuff, but I'm I'm caught up on the Super Family thanks to yeah, Chris getting yeah. me hooked. Uh, yeah. So I'm okay. Yeah, I mean, it continues to be continues to be good stuff. Um, you know, I I I, I love that Zod is a. Uh, he's a much more um, three-dimensional character that you actually can see yourself almost caring about a little bit more. I mean, he's going to be a bad guy. He's going to come out being being a dick at the end of this, but you 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 can kind of see where he's coming from. But uh, no, it's um, with all the Blackest Night stuff kind of creeping in. I'm hoping that there's you know that they don't get the two of them intermingled. I'd like to see the the new Krypton stuff kind of separated from Blackest Night. They've started to mix the waters a little bit. They've been pretty good about about keeping it keeping it separated. But uh even with this week's um uh Blackest Night Superman, there was some stuff on Krypton that it's like, okay, now you're now you're starting to cross some storylines. So I hope they I hope they don't muddy it up too much. That's, that makes uh, sense. That's, and I don't want to spoil that for for anyone that is reading the uh, uh, the Blackest Night Superman because it's been very good. But there's some there's some and that wrapped up today, right? Yeah, I finished up today, and uh, I read it before we recorded. And there's some uh, um, kind of a, a a big deal. I mean, it's nothing that that can't be wiped away in a single issue, but uh, but something that's kind of a kind of a big deal that they may have to address in uh, in the world at New Krypton world on New Krypton storyline. That's um read it and you'll you kinda understand what I'm what I what I'd be talking about. I was made for loving you, Vince B. You were made for loving me. And I can't get enough of you, Vince B. Can you get enough of me? I have a confession to make. I called in a couple weeks ago. This is John. John Johnny the homicidal drummer on the message board. I said that I hated you guys, but I lied. I love you guys. You guys are great. 
Uh, but I wanted to call. I hadn't called in uh, since Windy City Con, which was awesome. I wanted to say hi to Chris, but uh, one, he was wearing a Cardinals jersey, and two, his arms were so hairy, I thought he was like Hank McCoy. I thought he was going to grab me with his feet or something crazy like that. But uh, anyway, he seemed busy. So anyway, I got a lot of good comics there, and I wanted to call in about a suggestion you guys have been making for a while. Um, let's see, I got Black Panther, a bunch of War Machine issues for a buck. They had X-Force. Uh, they had a, a, just a ton of stuff. I got like $80 books, even some new stuff, Avengers, The List, all kinds of stuff. So it was awesome in that regard. But uh, what I got a bunch of and got the rest on eBay was uh, Incredible Hercules. And just wanted to say you guys were spot on with that series. It's, it's really good. Uh, it has everything you want. It's about a, a god who loves beer and sex and a 16-year-old boy who loves candy and sex. I mean, that kind of represents us all, doesn't it? So... But, uh, yeah, uh, Wood, uh, David, you guys were spot on. I think you guys have all kind of said Mighty Avengers is also very good. Uh, that I've been getting regularly, so I didn't need to get it for a buck. But uh, I, I like New Avengers. It's it's kind of the on-the-ground team, so Mighty Avengers. But, yeah, like you guys said in Episode 77, I guess going back to, uh, you know, one main team might might be good at this point since they aren't very much the New Avengers anymore. But, anyway... Um, so I guess I will uh, talk to you guys later and thanks again for a great show until next time I was made you were made can't get enough no I can't get enough how about you, how about you David what are you reading buddy well it, it's kind of ties into last week uh, where where Chris was talking about reading his Christmas present from Wood from last year. Oh. Uh, and because Vince mentioned Scott McCloud. Oh, so I know where this is going. I, exactly. I, I finally um, started diving right into because I, I started it a couple times over the year and uh, but I, I finally started digging in to the uh, to the complete black and white collection of Zot from 1987 to 1991, which was my cool. holiday present, my Hanukkah present from uh, from you know it, last year. Um, Best of this, <laughs> had it under the pole and everything. <laughs> this, I, I am a, I'm a big Scott McCloud fan. The uh, and and in getting ready to read this, I also went back and uh, and flipped through some old issues of Amazing Heroes because way back when Scott McCloud had the last page in Amazing Heroes uh, and his column was the small press watch and he um, he basically gave a quick little review of various small press comics with complete ordering information so you know if, uh, if for example you wanted to order 20 issues of Outside In by various artists you could get the complete set for $8 one through fourteen is fifty cents and a stamp each. Fifteen through twenty is sixty cents and a stamp each. One stamp covers up to three miniseries. Four or more make it thirty-nine cent postage, uh, and and with an address. And this is from, for example, Amazing Heroes number eighty-six, which was uh, from January nineteen eighty-six. Just to give you an idea of postage rates back then. Remember those days, David. <laughs> No, what, wasn't it awesome when you could you flip through a, a comic magazine and they would say, "Hey, get my new comic zine. It's only a dollar." Or send me some freaking stamps and yeah, I'll send you one. Yeah. That was awesome. 
and you you can get quality reading for stamps. That's it. <laughs> you know what else? You know what else? I you're, you're making me remember is is the uh, how in the comics they used to have those those advertisements that actually listed the back issues you could buy. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, I used to love reading that and be like, yeah. oh, I gotta order this. Oh, it was yeah. so cool. Yeah. X Men number one for twenty five dollars. Yeah. 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 You, yeah. You get to the Mile High page and you'd be like, fuck it, I'm not paying that for that book. <laughs> yeah. Well, page, one yeah. of the. Um, one of the vendors that was always in Marvel Comics was based in Trent- Trenton, which is a town not too far from where I grew up. You know, it's the, you know, it's the capital of, of New Jersey, and uh, and I used to always be mystified by that because Trenton is like a whole, it's like a whole inner, it's an inner city, it's a little little tiny, you know, like hovel of an inner city. And I used to be like, where the hell is this magical comic land that has all these awesome comics? I'm like, there's no place like that in Trenton, New Jersey. But you know, not realizing it was just a big warehouse distribution center as a kid, I was like, where is this place, and why hasn't my dad taken me there? <laughs> yep. I can remember seeing ads for Silver Age Fantastic Fours for. Jeez, ten bucks or less. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 Well, it's, it's, Chris, it's how about uh, mm-hmm. how about Christian Alame on your show talking about fucking owning owning Kirby pages for like twenty bucks or whatever, a hundred bucks, and then no, he, yeah, they were they were like two hundred bucks. Yeah, but then he had to sell them, right? Yeah, to to, to get in a chick's pants or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> he, he, he oh, like saved, saved up like all summer long before he went to this uh, went to this art show and uh, or this comic show and bought. An original Kirby page and an original John Byrne page, and then like four, four or five years later, um, yeah, he was just out catting around and uh, needed some uh, some walking around money. So he basically sold him for what he bought him for. So you know, he sold like both these pages for like four hundred bucks. And you know, now I would say that either one of those pages is probably you know multiple thousands of dollars, yep. depending on what they were. But, uh, yeah, that's, uh, yeah. And he said, I don't even remember the bitch's name. <laughs> no woman is worth that. <laughs> that's what I said. Yep. Uh, uh, so is, is that the hotness? Cause uh, I haven't read it. I haven't read it. I just oh knew that you God. wanted Good God. Well, it, it's, I, I read the first couple issues of the color run. Cause, cause the complete, the black and white run, uh, starts off with issue 11 and, um, and McLeod, there's an awesome introduction uh, at the beginning of the book, obviously, where uh, where he talks about his his time growing up in Boston, and and Kurt Busiek was a classmate of his. Uh, he um, and and it, and it was actually like Busiek that finally got him into comic books because before then he just he, he really didn't didn't bother. Uh, he he always liked art. He he did work on the production side for DC, so it was uh, it, it was kind of I don't. Want to say it maybe deflated him, but it 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 wasn't as magical anymore. Being you know you getting these original art pages from you know say Neil Adams or, or you know Dick Dillon, Mike Sikowski, anybody, and and you have to like clean up the lines and and make sure that the panel borders all all meet and 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 do things like that. It kind of takes the magic out of it, I guess. And uh, and and he he was shopping Zod around to a few places because he wanted to work. On his own thing, and because in 1986, of course, you had Dark Knight and and Watchmen come out, so things were turning a little bit grim and gritty. And and Zot so wasn't, so it was kind of refreshing for me to to see something like Zot because not everything meant meant doom and gloom. But he, um, when he when he was shopping Zot around, he uh, he did a hundred page proposal, sent it to four independent publishers. And he also showed it to Archie Goodwin at Marvel to see if maybe it would be a good fit for Epic. 
Archie, he says, sweetly turned it down, but with encouragement. And he also showed it to uh, Dick Giordano, who showed some potential interest in the property, but couldn't offer the kind of ownership and control I was looking for. All four independent publishers were interested to varying degrees, but two in particular seemed like good bets. California-based Eclipse and Chicago-based First. I liked Eclipse's deal better, and they could publish it a few months sooner than First, and getting published sooner was important to me because, well... What if there was a nuclear war and the world ended and I still wasn't a published comic book artist? So uh, there wasn't a moment to waste, and the first issue hit comic book stores on March in March 1984 while he was only 23 years old. Um, so that so that color series ran 10 issues, and he um, instead of starting over with a uh, with a new number one, the Black and white issue was number 11, and it was really a full reboot. We could have called it a new number one, but doing so was annoyingly fashionable in those days. Uh, the, the lettering, which I always remember, is by uh, Bob Lappin, or Lapin, L-A-P-P-A-N, who more people, I think, might be familiar with his lettering from the Giffen, DeMatteis, McGuire, Rubenstein, J-L-I. He, he was the letterer for, for pretty much that at least those early issues. And, uh, and I always like his style. He also does the lettering for Scott's other books, like making comics, understanding comics, the detail, even though this is a black and white comic book is still fantastic. It is beautiful in black and white. And the reason I brought up the whole small press thing was that, uh, this is the complete Scott McCloud Zot. However, the black and white Zot was not done completely by McCloud. There were, um, this book, McLeod says, comes out to 576 pages, but there were uh, two other important versions of Zot that deserve to be mentioned at least. One is the finished art provided by Chuck Austin for our two-part fill-in, Getting to 99. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, and, yeah. That's a, those and, two great issues. And, and those two were done because, uh, I believe McLeod did layouts, but those were done because McLeod went, uh, went on his honeymoon. So they, they, he still wanted to put the book out. Joe Austin got the gig. The other, uh, the other version is, uh, is from one page backup features by legendary stick figure and mini comics king Matt Fiesel, which grew to six pages in the later issues and even had its own fill in issue entitled Zot 14 and a half. Yep. It, uh, I've been a big fan of Matt's stick figure comics in the eighties featuring heroes like Cynical Man. And an antisocial man. While Zot was on hiatus, Matt and I had collaborated on a short run mini called Zot Ten and a Half. Uh, Eclipse wanted in on the act, so we let them put it out with their own printing, which wound up selling twenty thousand copies, making it the highest selling mini comic of all time. For what it's worth, Matt yep. continues to make comics in uh, in Hamtrak, Michigan. Uh, so they would have loved. Scott says he would have loved to include. Chuck's finished art and Matt's backup in this volume, but it would have uh, changed the 576 pages to uh, to a whopping 752. Mm-hmm. So they might wow. do a compendium later on. You know, and, e- and Eclipse was very focused on mini comics. Yes, because some of my fondest uh, issues from that period, they had a two issue collection of mini comics printed in regular comic size. Uh, format called Giant Size Mini Comics. Have you ever seen those issues? No, they're amazing. Uh, Matt Feasel's in there too. I mean, if you if you find them in the in the cheapy bins, Giant Size Mini Comics, they're awesome. 
and even oh, even uh, no, it's okay. Even Yarnwood's uh, "Fit to Print" that was at the beginning of uh, that was on the first or within maybe the first four or five pages on like Comics Buyer's Guide or, mm-hmm. uh, or even Amazing Heroes. That that even had a small press field, even though it was it was basically the soapbox or the bullpen bulletins for Eclipse Comics. It was um, it definitely had a small press feel to it. Yeah, I uh, think you pronounce that Ironwood. Do you? Mm-hmm. Okay, cat, iron, cat Ironwood. Yeah. Yeah, you know, that's a why. Okay. Yeah, and she is all sorts of nutty now. I know, but oh, she's yes. great though. She's great. Yeah. Do you ever yeah, see her yeah. web page? <laughs> oh oh yeah, it's um um yeah. it's uh she's uh, a hoodoo master now, right? Uh, is it just, is it hoodoo? Just go to it. <laughs> you yeah, have to yeah, experience it yourself. I mean, it is. It's actually um it's it's funny because my wife does uh, traditional Chinese medicine, and she was reading in a book and she's like do you know who cat ironwood is i'm like uh yeah and she's it's she had come across her in like her you know holistic medicine studies so yeah she's awesome look look up cat ironwood she it is, is uh, yeah it is, it is ironwood. Yeah. Yeah. i remember she um uh she was the editor for like uh airboy and that kind of stuff yep. for yeah for chuck dixon for eclipse which is a great series Super serious. She's great, yeah. but she can't get herself to use the caps key. Hello. No, and that's and that's <laughs> why. I, that's one thing I remember from the from the comic Spires guide. Even uh, back from when Don Thompson was still alive, it had to be fit to print. Had to be a paid advertisement in the newspaper, right? Because if it was going to be a column, he was going to capitalize her name. Yep. And she didn't want that, so they, she, 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 or they paid for the ad so that it would be in every issue. Um, I think she also lowercase the I whenever she would use. Um, I think you're right. Uh, the um, and and I it was kind of a, a sad thing in um, in the biography, a spirited life on uh, from the guy who was writing about Will Eisner's life story. Um, she played a little bit of a role in his life for a little while too, but I don't think that relationship with that association ended on a real favorable note but anyway yeah yeah because she was working for what kitchen sink and she, uh, yeah well that was because yeah dennis kitchen pretty much ends up becoming um i guess wills yeah so it's it's yeah i don't i don't so know. that was that was all through like kitchen sink and yeah. working with dennis kitchen and and eisner and all that stuff yeah yeah we need to do a spotlight on dennis kitchen one of these days absolutely his importance in the comic field is, is immense yeah yeah immense and the reason i brought up the small press was because there are when when you cut to um zot's uncle's house when 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 he goes to visit max you see that there's this very Intricate detail in the in like the crown molding or, or, or the paneling along some of the rooms, and I swear to God, cynical man's face is in some of the little <laughs> crazy looking headshot characters that, that that are throughout the house. But it's Zot. Zot comes from a uh, a futuristic, technologically advanced world, very similar to our world, and, and it's almost like a. I think it's like the far-flung future of, of 1965. I swear to God, that is the year it is where Zot is from. It's That's a great uh, year. Is it? Yeah. Just a little before my time. That's when I was born, baby. Well, there you go. 65. <laughs> Damn, you're old. I am. <laughs> Sorry, elderly episode. 
it is a complete reboot. Like, so if you didn't read the color issues, you don't have to know anything about a color issue. Even though if, if you come across Zot number 11, the black and white issue, don't be put off because you didn't read one through 10. It's, it's a new number one. It's just, it, I don't even remember anything uh, other than Butch becoming a monkey. I, I there's not a whole <laughs> lot. Butch, the, the, the female character is, her name is Jenny. She has feelings for Zod. Zod has feelings for her. Her brother is Butch. In 1965, Butch is a monkey, but when he is on our Earth, on on his own Earth, he uh, he's you know the annoying big brother and and uh, and is human again. I, I'm only um, I'm only a few issues into it because as much as I want to breeze through each issue, I can't just because I, I'm staring at McLeod's artwork. On every page and every panel, it's uh, some of it might seem simple, but I, I just I love his line work. It, yeah. He's got it. There's a manga influence here. Uh, this is not a standard size um, collection. It's it's uh, it's not a standard size trade. It's uh, it's a little smaller, but it's um, and about it's the thick. size of bottomless belly button. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From what I remember, yeah. Okay, it's it's published. By Harper, but it's, um, I, I want to say it, it is, was it IDW that, uh, that put this out? Oh, really? Yeah, this is going to kill me now. It's cool. Gonna you know what I was going to say, though? I like Zot better in black and white. You do? I, I, very much so. Yeah, the color issues are great, but there's something really crisp and really arresting about the black and white artwork. It's, it's still, it's, the details of it when, when he does cityscapes or, cause, yeah. There's a lot of that. 65 is, yeah, absolutely. Cause it's, 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 um, I, I, I was kind of like, oh, because in, uh, an issue, I want to say maybe 14, there's a scene where they, they have to take on the main villain in the second arc in the second three issues is Ibox. And it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's a robot that can control the world. And, and he's, he's on our planet and the, uh, the radio signals he's sending out. That basically put everybody in his trance and and can um, control all sorts of electronic and and radio devices is uh, is positioned on the top of the uh, the twin towers. Yep. And you know what? You are extending the conceptual continuity from last episode with Godland because Zot is very much in the same realm as far as villains. The well, like we said for Godland, the villains in Godland are extremely different they're 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 amazingly well realized off kilter villains in in zot it's the same way you have art deco and nine jack nine just mm-hmm. uh, i mean art deco's head is the chrysler building you know the, yes, the, the, yes, the top yes, the yes. peak of the chrysler building is it's he so he has a very art deco i mean the name fits design to him it's really really strange yeah, bizarre yeah mr blotch bizarre with the cigar Hanging uh-huh. out, of, yeah, very, very off kilter villains. So David's just like dragging that continuity. I love it. Keep going. Emphasis on the dragon. The and and because it is the complete McLeod Zod, even though Austin's finished work for getting to ninety nine isn't included, you do have McLeod's layouts, his thumbnails. So so you can read those issues, or at least his version of what uh, yeah. what he wanted Austin to work from. So so you still get to read those issues if. if Providing you know you can you can read the thumbnails and there's four four thumbnails on a page so it's it's not hard to decipher but um, 
I yeah, I mean even even Zot's like his his costume and he's he's got this attitude where he just if he knows he can win, then he he can't be beat and and he um and it it's it's kind of a punch to the gut early on in the book where he tries where where he attempts to uh rescue people from a fire. Right. And uh and on our earth, even though I mean, you know, gravity, physics, everything's the same, things just don't always work out the way you want just because you can stand your ground and say, I'm going to do this and, and uh and it's it's just, you know, seeing seeing this character and, and uh it brought back just a whole flood of memories from from back in the day. And like I said, I've always always been a fan of McLeod, whether he's he's creating books like Understanding Comics, whether he um He's doing a zany superhero story like Zot, or or reviewing you know small press books. I I like the guy. I wish I I, I could have seen him on uh, on any of his tours or any of his uh, speaking engagements. Yeah, I met him. Best. I met him at the Penta at a Penta convention in New York City one year. It was about halfway through his run on Zot. Oh, okay. An amazingly cordial man. Very very friendly. He. He wasn't swamped, but he had he had fans around. Right? He would take the time to talk to you and 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 you know listen to you, what you had to say about his work. Guy, the guy is great. Yeah. Cool. Does he make mention of uh, destroy anywhere in the notes? Yes, he does. That? Yeah, oh, in, do in the introduction. I remember that. I, I had that. I oh, had that. I, I still do. That. Oh, yeah. For Chris and Wood, if you haven't seen Destroy, it's a Marvel Treasury sized comic. It's a huge freaking comic called Destroy! Exclamation mm-hmm. point. All it is is a superhero fight and the destruction that it causes in the city. Just huge panels of just punching people through buildings and the rubble flying. It's awesome. It's like, uh, if you go to uh, take the Spinal Tap reference, it's like a superhero (laughs) brawl turned up to 11. It's it's a big, big book. It's great. Nice. Yeah, good stuff. He says that it's it's his attempt to to get that whole superhero... Rock'em Sock'em destruction, get that out of his system through parody. Uh, nineteen eighty six is one shot. Destroy was nothing but one gargantuan fight scene printed in a giant format and billed as the loudest comic in the universe. Hence, <laughs> turn it up to eleven. There you go. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah, and you know, Scott McCloud's work meshes very well with the subject of our second creator spotlight that I'll get to in a little while. Ooh. They're, they have very much the same working methods. Uh, the benevolence and the good-hearted nature of Zot is very much like the most famous creation of this, the man I'm going to talk about. Oh, very nice. And like you said, Zot has a lot of manga influences. With the big eyes on Jenny, she has very yes, manga-esque yes, eyes, yes. very soulful eyes. It's great. Yeah, Zot. Push it. I, I, that's one of those books that if uh, you are not a mainstream reader and you're looking for something, you know, maybe a little bit in the superhero genre, but definitely off the beaten path, Zot is one of the best choices you could ever make. It's just fantastic. And it, it retails for 25 bucks, and you get you definitely get your money's worth with this book. I mean, obviously, you can get it yeah. cheaper from just about any place, but well well worth it. And, and uh, thank you again, Jason. Hey man, it sounds oh. great. I, it, now it makes me want to read it. I haven't, uh, like I said, I'm not, I'm not all that familiar with Zot. So glad you're enjoying it, bud. Very much. You, so. you would cool. love it. Guaranteed. Yeah, it sounds great. It. Sounds super good. Yeah, Chris would even yeah. like it. <laughs> uh-huh. What the fuck's that supposed to mean? <laughs> <laughs> He's Chris, Chris is our Mikey. He won't like it. He hates everything. <laughs> he likes it. He likes it. <laughs> 
if you want to listen to 11 o'clock comics, you can. There's plenty of flavors for everybody. Check out Chris Neesman. He likes Queen and Country and, and uh, the Fear Agent. Or, or check out what he loves Marvel Comics. He's a zombie. And maybe you want to check out Vince. He likes, he likes older creepy stuff. And Eerie, and, and, and he likes Gary Panther because he's a genius. And then you just go over to David, the King Dap himself. What's he like? He likes anything. He's such an eclectic reader. Eleven o'clock comics is like the thirty-one flavors of comics podcast, except there's only four flavors. Wow, it's crazy. Maybe you don't like eleven o'clock comics. Well, you don't have to listen to it if you don't want to. Maybe you want to listen to around comics. That's kind of crazy. Neesman in it too. Maybe you don't like Chris Neesman and don't want to listen to him on your iPhone or iPod or laptop or computer or, or you want to burn to a CD and listen to it in your car or your MP3 player of another design. It doesn't matter. You can listen to whatever podcast you want. That's the beauty of life and American freedom is all the comics you could possibly read. Check them out. They're crazy. Oh my God. There's so many. Them. What about what about other podcasts like Craigcast? That's funny. It's got that Mike Morton guy on it. He draws comics. And then maybe you want to listen to Comic Geek speak. Or maybe you don't. Whatever. I don't care. Just read some fucking comics. We're going to take a little trip on the manga highway. Oh, Get cool. you yeah, oh, get, there you go. <laughs> no, I, yeah. no, I mean, I needed to go put a tea kettle on. I'll be back in a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it's so for a new netty break. While, while we're working with the symbolism, if if there was a symbolic highway of comics in the United States, it would be called the Jack Kirby Highway. We, we, there's no denying that. Uh, the man's influence. Unless you're, unless you're a Stan Lee fan. And, <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> Stan Lee has a little off-ramp on the side of the Kirby Highway, but oh, it's, it's okay. there. No, Plaza. Uh, the influence and pioneering aspect of Jack Kirby uh, as compare, uh, in relation to comics cannot be understated. And there is a man in Japan whose highway would be as extensive as Jack Kirby's. If, if, if Jack Kirby is the colossus of comics in America, there is a man in Japan who is shoulder to shoulder with Jack Kirby in a lot of respects. Dan Sakai. <laughs> uh, I'd, say te- I'd say Tezuka. You'd be right. Yeah. Nice. O- Osamu Tezuka, the creator of manga such as Apollo Song, Dororo, Phoenix, Buddha, Ambassador Magma, which was the basis for the live-action show. Do we not know? I uh, don't know. You're, you're, you're a lot younger than I am. Space Giants. In 19- no, of course. Yes, Goldar the Space Giant, when it came out in 1965, which predated <laughs> Ultraman by a year? Come on. Okay, but anyway, Blackjack and his masterpiece, Tetsuan Adam, which we know as Astro Boy. Astro and there's, Boy. There's a reason why I wanted to do Tezuka this week, because opening this Friday is yes. Astro Boy. Looks damn. It looks awesome. It my does. Eighty four too. Yeah, that's it does great. look really good. And you the wanted- toys look awesome, Vince. Those. I I was at Toys R Us. I just I was at Toys R Us this weekend, and they had Astro Boy toys for you know in conjunction with the movie. And my boys went balls for them. But I thought of you because they're I mean they're badass and they're pretty big. And I know you love the Japanese vinyls, so I was oh sure yeah. Seen them, but Who I put them out? Was it uh, Bandai? 
I think it's Bandai. I mean, to be honest, oh, I didn't look at the time, but I, I do think it was Bandai. Yeah. See, that's what that's what Bandai does. They they for the American market, they'll just repackage their toys that already came out in Japan. So you are right. getting quality stuff if Bandai is the producer. But anyway, so uh, this week Borders had a thirty percent off coupon. Oh, nice! And I used it on the art of Osamu Tezuka, God of Manga. Aesthetically, this book is amazing. It's oversized, hardcover. It has a die-cut image of Astro Boy on the cover. It, so it's like maybe a, an eighth of an inch thick of heavy pressed cardboard that's glued to the front of the uh, cover. So it, it almost gives the cover an embossed look. There's a dust jacket, but it's a vinyl clear dust jacket and the text for the cover is printed in white on the vinyl it's awesome it, it it's a, and it's called the art of osamu tezuka and i wish they didn't call it that because it's not only an art book that it is an amazing representation of the man's artwork but it breaks down his output year by or decade by decade and it is an exhaustive look at this man's work and talking about his work what would you think would be an impressive total for the uh, amount of pages an artist a comic book artist produces in their lifetime think of a number well some a number that would make you say holy shit that man was prolific uh 10,000 10,000 pages 10,000 uh, yeah. chris isn't, isn't that what kirby did something like that right Really? Well, hold on. Go Don't you be searching things. No, I'm, yeah. not, I'm not searching what, nothing. Figure 16 to 18 to 22 pages a month if they're doing one issue. Uh, All right, well, let me just tell you. Because you're well, not going to get answer, it. You, you're not even close. At the time of this man's death, he produced 170,000 yeah. pages of yeah, comic yeah. art. 170,000. Yeah. To be fair, though... I mean, you're all right, and that's, I mean, because I, I was, I'm fascinated by, by Tezuka. I think he's, he's an amazing story. But, but to be fair, it is, I mean, my understanding from that is that 170,000 is, he, it's more akin to an art director. Um, yeah, I was going to say, was that him or his he studio? He, 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 he finished most of the pages, but he wasn't the well. sole, the sole hand that created those 170,000. Because well, I mean, the, that, the man that, was, that, well, the, well, I don't know about that. Manga is that. Is that a lot of those are even more assembly line than American comics? Is that, yeah. But yeah. as he became more popular, yes, he did have a studio, especially once he uh, got his animation studio underway. He had artists working under him um, all the time, but. Right. I don't know. He was very persnickety about his artwork. Uh, when they decided to animate his uh, manga Blackjack, he had such an affinity for the character that he demanded to draw each nice. cell wh where that character appeared. Right, right. So mm -hmm. uh, judging by that, I, I, I don't know exactly how many were solely Tezuka pages, but... That's still, 170,000 pages. Oh, it's pages, crazy. I mean, spanning uh, 700 different titles. He worked on more than 70 animated movies, TV shows, and experimental film. The guy was a dynamo. And, mm -hmm. and, it, and from a very early age, he was born on the Emperor's birthday, November 3rd, 1928. As a child, he was totally mesmerized, addicted to drawing. When he had his own little personal tablet. Now, you're thinking when Tezuka was young, it was 1930, 1931, 32. When he was a youngster, he would fill his drawing tablet with images, and his mother 
Fumiko would erase all of the pages once he filled the book and encourage the boy to draw more. The one guiding force in this man's life was his mother. She always encouraged him uh, to draw. When he would consume all the paper in his, in his drawing books, he would take his grandfather's law books. came from a very well-to-do family. His, uh, his grandfather was a lawyer, his mother, so his mother came from money. Uh, his father was a manager in a manufacturing plant, so they weren't really hurting for money. But um, he would take his grandfather's law books and draw in the margins. And one day he flipped the page and decided to draw the image on the previous page, but just move f- part of it a little. So he was creating little right, flipbook right. type images from a very young, uh, young age. So he was mesmerized with animation too he would go to the cinema with his parents to see walt disney movies and other cartoons in 1938 a year after japan went to war against china young osamu's life drastically changed when the government severely restricted forms of entertainment that did not directly contribute to the war effort um one of his favorite manga periodicals which were known as akahone or a cajon. Uh, they were called red books, which were low-priced, mass-market volumes printed on crappy paper with these lurid red ink covers. You could see them from 20 paces away if they were <laughs> if they're at the newsstands. And so these magazines were banned as, as harmful. And there's a really cool bit of data on page 31 in this book. I want to read this to you because it just shows the kind of luxuries that our current artists are afforded is in terms of their artwork being reproduced. The artwork was traced by craftsmen from the original art using transfer paper onto zinc metal printing plates. The drawings didn't always conform to the artist's originals, and where different craftsmen were employed on different issues, the style changed noticeably. It's like having a different anchor on a different uh, issue of a comic, but these guys were actually making the art ready for print by tracing it. And and some readers, including young fan Leiji Matsumoto, who later created Captain Harlock, even thought there were two artists named Osamu Tezuka, since his art changed from book to book depending on who readied this stuff for print. Wow. That's crazy. I mean, today we just scan it. So it's entirely faithful to the artist's vision. Back then, they, they reproduced the line work by hand. In, insane. But uh, paper shortages generated by the war caused the termination of the publication of most manga magazines. So Osama had amused himself and his classmates and even his teachers by drawing his own comics. So, very young age, started drawing, reproducing his work, getting reactions from his readers, which were his classmates and friends. Uh, he also had a fondness for insects. At 15 years old, he produced a color picture book of beetles containing meticulously and beautifully rendered drawings of insects. He founded an insect study club at school and wrote and illustrated 11 issues of the club's magazine, The World of Insects, before being called to war in 1944 at the age of 16. And this book reproduces some of his work from these Beetle magazines. You would think it was done by an adult. The drawings are amazing. And next to them, in beautifully rendered script, because he, he wrote in English and Japanese, he, uh, be, uh, from what I'm told, the sciences in Japan would conform to the Latin. So the, the phylum and the classification of these bugs were in English, even though he was reading in Japan, in Japanese texts, they would put the scientific classification of these bugs in 
English. So he actually learned to write English at a very young age. Oh. The, the guy was a prodigy, un- unbelievable. In 1945, he saw Momotaro's Divine Sea Warriors, which was a 72-minute propaganda piece, which was the very first full-length animated feature ever produced in Japan. This film, along with early childhood screenings of Walt Disney movies, fostered a lifetime love of animation. So now he's a teenager and decides to go to school to become a doctor. One would think that that would consume all of his time, because not easy. During this period, he landed a job writing and drawing a comic for a children's newspaper. The strip was so popular that wooden figures of the protagonist were sold, from which Tezuka never saw a dime. Oh. Never, not one red cent in I 1940. Know, yeah. Unbelievable. I don't know DC. Oh, <laughs> oh, come on. That's my 30s, I'm saying. 46. Okay. The post-war comics market was reviving. He wrote and drew his breakthrough title, New Treasure Island, widely regarded as the most influential post-war acajon. His cinematic style and challenging perspectives and graphic effects, hitherto unseen in manga, were a huge hit with readers. He would approach comic creation with the eye of a cinematographer. Close-ups, wide-angle shots, top-down perspectives, just throwing the vantage point all over the place, trying to engage the reader, and, and he experimented with light and shadow and and did different uh, shading techniques that were unseen in manga at the time. Again, very uh, pioneering a talent. Like what happened to Kirby while he was yeah. working on Jimmy Olsen, the editor <laughs> of this magazine thought that the work was, number one, too long for children, and... Even worse, he disliked the look of certain characters to the extent that he had them redrawn. The editor himself redrew the characters because he didn't like the looks of them. Mm -hmm. Even though, at this time, Tezuka was selling 400,000 copies an issue of this of this manga. Nice. Insane. I didn't know Mort Weisner worked in Japan. <laughs> oh, <laughs> right. Zing, right. Zing. Hey, Vince, you, you I mean, I, for those, I, I know a lot of people probably are familiar with him, but we should just, even to go so far as to say, I mean, he's he's considered, in fact, his name is the god of manga. I mean, he, right. he he's, He's the creator of the quote-unquote large eyes. I mean, the stereotypical manga look, he created that look. I mean, there, manga existed before him, but he was the one that did the large eyes. That's his mm-hmm. thing. So, The, the back of the book describes him as a combination of Walt Disney, Stan Lee, Jack Kirby, Tim Burton, and Carl Sagan. Wow. I was going to say, except he's also, right, he's a medical doctor. He's one of the, I yes, mean, this, he did I think he did graduate. He had a much more interesting or... or, or uh, He's he was a true sort of renaissance man, right? You know, um, like almost a throwback, yeah. But and, whereas yeah. those other guys were just you know interesting guys, but but primarily known for their their art, artistic endeavors, yeah. Right, right. He he was a sculptor, an animator, a manga artist. He was a doctor. You could say he was an entomologist due to his meticulous knowledge and and research and and visual representation representation of bugs. He's a powerhouse. But And this is the part of the book that really wowed me. He created a system for his characters appearing in his manga because he would reuse characters over the course of different works. He created a star system for his characters. Like the actors in a theater troupe, Tezuka would rank and list his characters by their strengths. 
and use them accordingly in all of his works. Once a character was featured in a story, the various characters' actions from within that narrative would determine their future roles in tales, kind of like a comic book karma. If, if one character played a villain in uh, a certain tale, the next time he used them in, in one of his works, they would either have to repent for something they did in a previous work or degrade even further. That's crazy. Wow. That, that level of thinking and detail is, to me, it's really special. I think what's fascinating about him is, is, is like you're, you're, like you're getting at, he's, he's a true genius. I mean, right. we, we, we use the term, I mean, especially in the internet age, we like to use big terms to make, try and make things feel important and, and, uh, overplay hands a lot. But I, I think he's one of those people, like a, he's a true genius. I mean, there's, I don't yeah. think anyone that actually knows his history could argue that the man wasn't a real, off the chart intellectual genius. Capable, mm-hmm. of, he could have done, the kind of guy that could have, you know, been the world's foremost, you know, uh, oncologist or, you know, or head of state, whatever he really wanted to do, he was probably mentally, you know, so adept and above most people, he could have done whatever he felt like doing, basically. Right, uh, right. Yeah. And, and he would break his characters down into categories, like major stars, major and minor supporting stars, headliners. Naturally, some of the headliners were Astro Boy, Blackjack, and the book goes into detail on every one of these characters, their creation, how he felt about the the characters. He had a man called Hijio Yaji, which was drawn by one of his classmates, and I think it was one of his classmates' grandfathers, and he liked the character so much, he used it in most of his manga till the day he died. And he developed the character all the way through life. That, that to me is an absurd attention to, it, it's almost like living characters. It's creating something out of nothing, breathing life into this fictitious character and making them real. If you have a character that spans your lifetime, how could you say that that character doesn't exist? It obviously does. Yes. If it's, if it's maturing across the, over the course of, of works, uh, Rock Holmes, Kimba, the White Lion, which was, um, I'll put it in air quotes, the inspiration for Disney's The Lion King. Uh, major stars, minor stars, and there's at least 30 or 40 pages just devoted to his characters. The recurring themes in his work tie back to Godland uh, with the notion that all living beings are connected. The interconnectedness of life, like in The Lion King, the circle of life, that's a Tezuka theme, a, a major theme in his works. Uh, having witnessed the firsthand firebombings of Osaka, Tezuka was passionately against war. The causes of war, the inevitability of conflict, and the ways to work towards peace. He strove to instill hope and determination in the hearts of his young readers. As a child, naturally, in that time in Japan, deciding to become a comic book artist was not pretty high on a child's <laughs> priority list. Yeah. He had the ability to become a doctor, and it was his mother. He was struggling with the, the thought of either becoming a comic book artist, because he was becoming extremely popular in that field, or taking the safe route and becoming a doctor. And his mother sat him down and said, you have to do the thing you love the best. And he chose, much to our benefit, he chose to become a comic book artist. Uh, effects of goodwill and unselfishness on society. He was a futurist, too, with the idea that Astro Boy, though it's a machine, has the soul of a human. It's uh, that artificial intelligence. He was very concerned with um, the role of machines and, and, and the computer in our society. 
uh, the sacredness and interconnectedness of all life. Resurrection plays a big part in his work. Immortality. There's a humanistic slant to his work. A powerful Buddhist influence. And like Kirby, he pioneered the role of the female in society, something that was unheard of in Japanese culture at the time. Women were not on a, an even keel with men. But in Tezuka's work, he liked to um, appeal to women, much like Jack with the romance comics, put them on an a even footing with men. It, do, it didn't happen back then. Uh, you mentioned the, the phoenix, but uh, but that, that definitely was all about resurrection, right? Because that whole thing was... I think it was the character was the blood, right? Anyone that drank the blood became immortal. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I know that ran for a long time. And big female I lead, which I think at, at the time was, a, was, was like you said, un, 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 pretty much unheard of at the time where there was yep. a, a long-running manga where, the, where a female had a female lead. But uh, That resurrection theme. And, and see, the thing about resurrection in his work was not that you would be reborn, but that life would continue. The continuance of life is very important in his, in his work. Uh, he impressed Stanley Kubrick to, to the degree where the streamlined look of Astro Boy was used as the inspiration for the look and feel of 2001 A Space Odyssey. Wow. Yeah, he was, um, Kubrick loved me. He was supposed to be the art director in that movie. Um, but he couldn't, he, he couldn't leave Japan to, to do the movie. But, uh, but yeah, but that, they had a, a mutual admiration society, but, uh, and George Lucas been, too. Imagine that, what that would have done, right? If he had, Right. Gone in the direction for a movie like that, and then probably would have done more movies like it would have been amazing. But his uh, Mushi, which was his nickname, Mushi Production Animation Studio, which was founded in June 1961, Tezuka instituted a layered cell technique for animation, where only certain parts of the image change between frames. This is commonplace today, but back then it was not. Yeah. He also instituted a bank system where previously used backgrounds and characters were reused for future episodes. Saving time and money because they had to produce these things quickly and economically because they had to compete with, uh, see, back then they were all about the limited animation technique where they would only do 12 or 15 frames per second, but Tezuka stressed a 20, a traditional 24 frames per second. He wanted the animation to be fluid. So to, to compete with the guys cranking out the, the low budget animation, he would reuse character movements from previous cartoons. He devised tone and color charts to keep the color uniform across all of the episodes of a certain anime. He produced mixed media animation, and with the 1963 Galaxy Boy troupe, he mixed traditional animation with live-action puppets, predating Jerry Anderson with the Thunderbirds. Uh, Thunderbirds. Yeah. This guy, I'll tell you, he was amazing. He set trends for decades and inspired countless creators to follow in his footsteps. He encouraged experimental comics, expanding the scope of the medium for all ages and tastes. He worked in humorous fantasy, futuristic action-adventure, war, science fiction, satires on consumerism and eroticism. He did humanistic tales, obviously religious and spiritual narratives, because one of his most famous works is the multi-volume Buddha, which is impeccable if you haven't read it and uh, metaphysical works. He was the Japan uh, Foundation's manga ambassador. He spoke at the UN in 1980 about comics. At the UN! Oh, that's awesome. I didn't know that. That is. Unfortunately, he died on February 9th, 1989, and his last recorded words were, I'm begging you, let me work. Oh. Yeah. Unbelievable. This book goes into his unfinished works, 
mm-hmm. all of the many awards he received, the tributes, his influence, legacy, the scientific and social influence of the man, even the negative viewpoints of his work are presented in this book. There's a bibliography, a list of Tezuka titles available in English. It is an unbelievable book. You must get What's it. What's the name of it? The Art of Osamu Tezuka, God of Manga, written by Helen McCarthy, with a foreword by Katsuhiro Otomo, who, creator of Akira, it's published by Abrams Comic Arts, and there is a bonus 45-minute DVD included with the book on the man and his craft. Impeccable book. Can't, there are no adjectives to uh, accurately convey how good this book is came out this week. It retails for $40, but it is worth it at 10 times the price. It's it's something really special to look at, and the information presented within will convince you that there are a lot of gods of comics, uh, along with Jack Kirby, and Osamu Tezuka was definitely one of them. Nice. Yep. I, I would compare him favorably to Kirby in every respect. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. No offense to Kirby. I mean, I don't, hey, no. I don't. No, 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 you know, well, I, I, I got nothing, I mean, I'm just saying, like, I think, I guess I'm trying to make the out, like, Tezuka to Japan, though, I think is even, as, especially in the mainstream, is larger than Kirby ever was in the mainstream. Like, I in agree. other words, like, like, as a comic fan, yes, I'm not gonna argue with the Kirby's influence, and I think something, probably even a lot of comic fans need to understand, and I certainly was one of them, just how influential Kirby was, but I think because manga, and anime have been such a mainstream and continue to be a mainstream form of entertainment in Japan. I would say Tezuka is a household name in Japan. Um, or yes. I don't know that Jack Kirby is, so yeah. Right. You're right. He, he, the, the magnitude of his being pervaded the country. It seeped into the culture. Jack is somewhat that in America, but nowhere near to the extent as Tezuka in, in Japan. The man is part of their culture. Just order the book. God. Good, good looking out, buddy. Just place yep. my order. You, you will love it. I know it. Can't wait. Can't wait. Didn't know it was coming out. That's great. Yep. Love I it. saw it on the shelf. I had to have it. <laughs> I've got to have you, like Gene says in Christine <laughs> sixteen. I <laughs> got to have you. Amazon Prime, bitches. <laughs> the Chemical Box Injection Three: The True Story of Three Men, One City, One Mission. To do the Windy City Comic Con the only way they know how. The hard way. If you didn't go, then you too can experience the sights, smells, the puke, and the confusing transport systems of the city of Chicago. Starring Will, a.k.a. Mr. Bickle. He don't suffer a cab driver lightly. And he will befriend your barman. Joey. He's got a shopping list and he must be left alone to complete his task. Will a stuffed crust pizza eaten at 2 a.m. come between him and a copy of Chew, issue one? And Gene, where is his bed? And how will the hotel deal with his crusade against racist sleeping arrangements? Also featuring Mike Norton's need to pick up youngsters from the airport. Sal Abernathy says, what the fuck does a Ninja Turtle look like anyway? Someone please look at Will's elbow tattoo. Chris competes for the title of nicest guy in Chicago. And never tell Tony Moore's wife that you might be a Nazi. Two of these men will survive to tell their tale to Alec, a young farm boy who learns how real men do a con. The Chemical Box Injection 3. Available at Teenage Wasteland on Blockspot.com and iTunes. Slave blankets sold separately. Anybody read The Darkness Pit? No. Not yet. 
I, I have it on uh, I have it on my iPhone. I have not read it yet. Ah, but because it's October, I figured I had to read a horror book for this week. Uh, I won't get into it in case y'all want to read it, but I will say it is so nice to have Dale Keown back. So there are certain artists that will produce panels that kind of rip the top of your head off and just brand themselves onto your brain. John Byrne with Wolverine in the sewer looking up through the grates. That's a panel. Yeah, that's a panel everybody remembers. Uh, Walt Simonson. With uh, Surtur banging on the old okay. anv- anvil in uh, Thor, there is a double page spread in this with a zombie horde. You will not forget this. Zombie page. whores. Zombie horde. horde. Oh, that's Netflix. Oh, okay. Yeah, it, it's it's amazing. Oh, speaking um, of uh, horror comics and uh, not horror comics, what horror comics? <laughs> oh. Okay. Um, uh, Vince, you were you were dead on about uh, the Simpsons Treehouse of Horror. <laughs> it was awesome. It was awesome. Do, do you not think that that's one of those issues that will at least be in the ranking for best single issue yeah, of the year? I, you know, it's if you're digging the the Strange Tales, the Marvel Strange Tales, you should go pick up the Simpsons Tree you know, Treehouse of Horror because it's oh, it's the same thing. It, it's hey. just it's a great anthology piece. Speaking of being in the running. It's a great time to mention that by the time uh, the folks listen to this episode, I'm assuming probably what Friday, unless you get it out on Thursday, I hope to have posted in the forum, which can be found where, Vince? Forum.bullpenbulletinspodcast.com or www.11oclockcomics.com. Yes, sir. Um, I hope to have up uh, a list of our, it's time for our second annual 11 O'Clockers. Uh, which hopefully those people that were around a year ago remember we, um, in January we did our look back on 2008 where we did some awards, just our sort of uh, humble opinions on stuff. We have behind the scenes come up with a list of categories we all thought were worthwhile and, um, we're gonna post those so that people can sort of take their time over the next month or two to, uh, think about it and, and make their nominations and then at some point in January, February when we have, uh, the time and inclination, we will uh, we will have our uh, choices for the best of 2009. So, yep. stay yep. tuned. And and I've been I've been looking and no, there uh, I was wrong with the IDW. It is it is Harper Collins that puts out this odd book. So don't go to idwpublishing.com and look for it or anything. The other thing, and I, and I didn't read, well, I didn't get the latest issue. Issue 11 came out today. I uh, I haven't read it yet, but um, I read the previous four issues. Seven, eight, nine, and ten of Vigilante. And the eleventh issue is the one I'm going to recommend tonight when people when 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 we sign off because issue eleven I can't wait to get my hands on because it's penciled by Walt Simonson and inked by John Paul Leon. Really? Nice. Yes. Wait, really? I had no idea. Yes. Oh, uh, wow. Written by Marv Wolfman, according to the man himself. He says that it is storytelling-wise. It is his favorite issue of this run so far. Uh, unfortunately, according to Tommy Lee Edwards, it is not lettered by John Workman. Oh. Um, and apparently the guys at Boulevard aren't keen on the uh the coloring but still simonson and uh and leon i i can't uh i can't wow. wait to get my hands on this issue it's it's now, been go ahead no no i was just gonna say have you been enjoying the series because i haven't read it and i just know that it's sort of been on the verge of 
cancellation. Oh um, no, twelve is the last issue. Oh okay, okay. Um, I don't know if it was into ages ago when I first started talking about it. Vince did say it was a mini, but I don't know if um if it was supposed to go to twelve. At no point does it say of uh like Blackest Night that will say one of eight on the cover. Nothing here says you know seven mm-hmm. of twelve or anything like that. I'm a big, big Vigilante fan going back from the second New Teen Titans annual. I, I just, I, I love the black costume with the little bit of, of white and blue. Um, basically, DC's Punisher and, uh, and, and it's, um, whereas Frank Castle has no alter ego. I mean, he's Punisher 24-7. You've done wrong. I'm going to kill you. The Wolfman Perez Vigilante, as opposed to the one from Seven Soldiers who, or kerchief he, he's 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 like the district attorney you know so here he'll yeah he, he really was the uh kind of i guess so then you could say a little bit of a daredevil a punisher but, daredevil hybrid right. And you're right so one, without, one of my favorite one of my favorite costumes and that, that that cover today annual is amazing where he's got all the titans in his crosshairs and 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 it's a bottom half is a black background and his costume just bleeds into the black there's no telling where he is or the background is i just I love even the first issue of um of the ongoing by by Wolfman and uh and Keith Pollard with uh with a really nice both hands holding a gun pointing it at the user. It was one of uh it was a it was an early DC Baxter uh paper story. It was more you weren't going to really find it on the same spinner rack as uh, Amethyst or uh, or Legion of Superheroes. Really, it was it, it was definitely kind of intended for uh, for a mature audience. But oh yeah, you um, can, um, if you want to if you want to read some awesome vigilante stories, you pick up that DC Universe, uh, the stories of Alan Moore, and he did a two, yeah two two issues of vigilante. I, I think it was two issues. Yeah, it's like uh, issues like eighteen and nineteen, something like that. A fantastic story by Alan Moore. I, I said early on when I was reading, when I started reading the series, that uh, Vigilante constantly says how he's not Adrian Chase, and I was like, "Oh, you know, I'm damned if if he's not," because he keeps making sure to let you know that he he's not. But it turns out, no, he he is not. Adrian Chase. I won't spoil anything for anybody who, who is reading it or hasn't gotten up to date with it or anybody that wants to read it. Um, I did not read about this character from the very beginning of, of, of his creation because apparently he started in, um, in Nightwing. So I need to find those few issues of, of Nightwing where he first appeared because in issue 10, he does team up with, uh, with Batman. Of course, the Batman being the current Batman and, um, where we know Dick would know him as Nightwing from the old series. Vigilante doesn't know. So he, he's not quite sure as, as how this, this Batman knows him, but then, you know, he just sums it up, he chalks it up to Batman knowing everything, you know, really. He, he's at the top of his game and, you know, and so, so of course they do the fight before they team up. My main issue with this series is uh, is the lack of good editing there, uh, and it's not it's not something that I'm not talking about continuity. I'm just talking about blatant errors. The uh, the end Typos. of issue, yes, yeah. The, the end of one issue says uh, th- the main villain in, in most of the series is uh, Tobias Whale, who's an old Black Lightning villain, and the issue before his he he he's. Vigilante's going to have the big fight with him. The, the caption says, like, next issue, weight hunting, spelled with a T instead of an L. And it's just like, really? You can't? There's just little <laughs> things like that where I'm just, like, going along with it, and I'm digging it. And it's like, 
The one, the ones that, the ones that have been driving me nuts, David, are typos in collected editions. When stuff There's comes no out in trades, oh I'm sorry, God. it's like, okay, now you've had two passes to yes. catch the typo, and like, I forget what trade it was, but I was reading something, and there were two typos in one issue mm-hmm. that, that, in a trade, and I'm like, oh, come on. Yeah, the, um, I think the best rant I ever heard of that was, uh, Chris Marshall of, uh, Collected Comics Library fame, who's, uh, actually been posting quite a bit on our forums, so it's good to see him around. Um, I remember listening to an episode of his where. Powers Volume 10. Yeah, exactly. He oh, lost, lo- awesome. Chris is a pretty <laughs> even keeled dude, and he lost his shit over Powers Volume 10 about, yeah. uh, that the, that the, uh, the actual cover, uh, uh, yeah, the spine. Spine. Yeah. The spine had a misprint, and he just couldn't. He could not deal with that fact because apparently it was very delayed in coming out. Yeah. Um, and uh, he just couldn't get over that you could make a mistake like that, and, and you know, be a Marvel book and have an editor, and you know, and a bunch of and uh, and yeah. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, wasn't that C C that, the editor? That C V. Yeah, that was yeah. that was the that was old Chester on that one. So a yeah. cosmic misspelled misspelled the title of the book. Five. <laughs> Don't. I definitely, I mean, I, I'm not, I, I'm, I'm behind on my Blackest Night reading. I, I know it's a Green Lantern event and, and I'm just, I'm taking my time with that. I don't know whether I'm going to wait for most of the series to be done before I read it or, um, or I just need to be in a mood. Uh, but I'm not. Like that'll happen. <laughs> it's, hey, it's, it's still a Green Lantern story. Come on. It's, I'm digging uh, it, man. I'm I'm eating it up, man. I'm eating it up like a like a a, a black lantern on a on a uh, an emotional man. cruise, man. It's it's just fantastic. Love every issue that's coming out right that's now. That's awesome. But that's just because I I kind of made a conscious decision to, to say, okay, yep, I'm gonna I'm gonna ride along with this. I haven't done that since Civil War, and so I was a little burnt for a little while but uh yeah it's like yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna ride along with this event just finished up the superman blackest night tonight and it was it was good and i'm i'm ready to i think they're getting ready to to really dive in because the uh, black lanterns are are in the the 90 percent um, charged up mode so i think shit's getting ready to go down yeah and i i, I don't want to turn this into a blackest night rant or, or, or compare this with that. I, I was all set to go in, you know, dive in whole thing and, and get everything because it's been a long time since, uh, since I went so heavy onto an event. But once we only got the first half of that checklist, <laughs> I, I wasn't, I wasn't sure where they were going. And, and, and I'm pretty sure my, my wallet thanks me for, for not going through with that so uh we'll see once uh once i get caught up and i do read the blackest night mini and green lantern and green lantern core uh how much of a full story i get or or, or just a complete story in that without all the tie-ins i I have a couple of them but i i know i haven't you know i i so you know i need you to tell me about superman i'm not you know i'm not reading uh i I read sirens i'm not reading everything from dc but vigilante Mm -hmm. because it's not really it had the crossover with the titans and 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 now batman shows up but it's not um you know it's not tied in so heavily i mean you know there's no blackest night going on there's there's no talk of 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 you know a new krypton in this book so it's not uh it's nice for me to read something that's kind of separate from anything else with with the character that well or at least in name 
that I have a, a an association with. So I'm I'm really enjoying Vigilante. I know it's not going to be uh, everyone's cup of tea. Whether they think it might um, it might move too slow or or maybe Wolfman's off his game. But I'm I'm a huge Leonardi fan. I uh, huge huge. I, I thought the Tom Lyle issues with the Death Trap crossover with with the Titans looked sweet. And uh, and like I said with with today's issue. With Simonson and uh, Walt Simonson and John Polion, I, I think it's it's it really is a um, it's an issue you'll be able it's a series you'll be able to get on the cheap, no doubt. But I I, I would still recommend it. It's funny you mentioned Leonardi. I just uh, I read the Cloak and Dagger. I knew you were going to say that. Cover. Nice. <laughs> as soon as I mean, because that that seems to be like one one title or two characters that that he is just so closely associated to. He's tied to yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's the, uh, Mar- yeah, Marvel came out with the uh, hardcover of that four-issue yeah. series. And that also included the Spectacular Spider-Man issues, didn't it? No. It didn't? Get the nope. fuck out of here. Nope. Ah, it's weak sauce. Uh, yeah, I know. And they, oh. they should have they had Adam in there. but uh, Silvermane? Damn. <laughs> but no, they just did the uh, the four-issue mini. So, it was yeah, it's awesome. It's really kind of, you know, their origin. Even though at that time, not mutants. Well, that's all, that's all retconned. I I thought that the drugs kicked the drugs their, kicked it in the late yeah. hours. Yeah, uh, yeah. Okay, that's I think that's been retconned. Speaking of mutants, yeah. did anybody take a look at X Men Legacy two twenty eight that came out today? No, not yet. Uh, yeah, I, was, yeah. I, I, I saw the cover as you, I was you know looking for all the other new comics that I was going to buy. Oh uh, well, the, the reason I'm buying this. Aside from the artist, is that I am a colossal Generation X fan. I loved that book back in the day, mostly because of Bacalo. How could you not? Back then, it was one of the books you had to buy. M plates in this, right? That's is that what yes, M plates in it, but it continues in the tradition of Generation X, but with some of the most visually arresting art you will ever see. It, it, this art is so strong, it commands you to look at it. Uh, obviously by Danielle Acuna. David, I'm not saying this to rub... Uh, no, I know. I know. No, I'm not saying it's to, to rub sand in your wound. It is a visual tour de force. It is going to go down. This Acuna's run, if he continues this strong, this will go down as one of the, visually, one of the best X-Men runs ever. It is unbelievable. That's cool. Naked rogue through the entire issue. Ooh. But she's, she's really? in, she's in a, uh, an astral form. Uh, I won't say how. And she's in this dimension very far removed from our own. There are floating, uh, man of war type creatures and dragons nice. and, uh, crystal. It's unbelievably beautiful. You, you must see it. Awesome. Speaking of X-Men, how about my boy Phantom X in the motherfucking hey I know. I thought of you when I saw that. Oh, suck it, suck it, man. Can't and, believe and, it. And that, they don't compliment. It was, nice, it was nice of him to put Storm Shadow back in the day. Oh, boy. Well, come on. He looks a lot more like, if we're going to be, he looks a lot more like Firefly than it is Storm Shadow. <laughs> but, you know, what I was going to say is they don't compliment the Dotsons on a cover well done. They just say, like, thank oh, God that wasn't Greg Land who did yeah. that cover. <laughs> That's because I haven't commented well, on the thread. Well, no, except for... Well, no, you weren't the only one to say it. it that, that was pretty much across the board, like, oh, yeah, thanks. Thank God yeah. Land didn't do it. Yeah. You get that a lot. 
No, I, if I have to say, I do much prefer if they were gonna uh, spoilers if they were gonna bring Psylocke back that they brought. I wish it wasn't the uh, the Asian ninja version. And oh, I, the, I so oh, you want Betsy? Yeah. yeah, yep. Absolutely. With the butterfly. Oh my god! And the, and the bun in the hair. Give and, and, and give and it and to Alan Davis to draw. Oh yes. yes. Oh yes. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know my feelings about Alan Davis, the yeah. god that he is. So I would buy Uncanny every month. If the Dodsons were the main artists. Yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. I know. Well, they, they're the alternating main artists. I mean, I know, but I don't want to not buy it every other month. Right. Right. Now, okay, so here's a question then. So, because you have two art teams on it, and because it's, it's, it's the, it's back to being the flagship mutant book, because you're getting anywhere from 16 to 18 issues a year, would you rather have more or Dodson artwork? Regard that no matter even if you were going to get twelve issues or less, I don't care about consecutive art teams. Like I, they could switch it up as as much as they want. They could put a different artist on the book for every issue for a six month or twelve month period. That does not concern me. It's the nature of the artist they have doing the alternate okay. issues. I, I, I he just destroys any kind of storytelling for me. I I cannot read a comic with his art. And experience the story because I'm so friggin' distracted by the visuals. Yeah, I agree. And and, it, and, that, and that's not to knock the guy because he has many a fans and and what he does is not easy. So I will give him some credit, but it's just not for me. I I, I can't look at it. I want to read Uncanny. I would buy it every month. Mm-hmm. And and if Acuna keeps kicking them out like this, I think Legacy is going to be the flagship title. <laughs> It's just oh, good. amazing. Good for my carry then. And Carrie's like, a great for, writer. For X-Men, yes, X Men Forever to take its rightful place. <laughs> yeah, to really become uh, yeah. a, the fact though. This is the way it's supposed to be. Yeah, I don't. I don't know about Wait, the storytelling, but it looks really nice. Mm-hmm. X Men Forever. Forever. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm a few issues behind on that. That's I, another. I'm not coming out in a rapid clip. Hey, that's yeah. the, that. That's the only real X Men for me is because that's that's Logan still Logan. Yeah, yeah. I mean, come on. That's that's how it's supposed to be. Obviously, that's the the singular vision. <laughs> and you know, before before things got all messed up, I can I can wrap my head around that. Wow. I'm not being serious at all. Oh, Remy, okay. Remy, Remy Picard, you're clamoring for Remy Picard. Well, first of all, you took me off. I don't give a shit. All right, you knocked me off off my bearings because number one, you're talking about X Men. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Pardon <laughs> me. Hello, 11 o'clock comics listeners and the podcastic four, Jason, David, Vince, and Chris. Copyright, that's copyright. Podcastic four is mine. Anyway, this is, of course, the legendary wraithmaker, The Raff Radio. Uh, I just want to leave another voicemail. I just heard my voicemail on your last uh, episode. Um, I take no offense to the fact that you guys uh, forgot to mention me. I was only there for five hours. Uh, would and Chris, I I know I made a little bit of a faux uh, hissy fit on uh, the thread for uh, that episode, but it's all it's all good. Uh, actually, I am calling not for you guys, but for the listeners, because uh, before I became the legendary Raf Radio, I was a podcaster and I still am sometimes, and that's the thing. I think people are tired of the sound of me talking to myself on the podcast, and I would like to invite anyone listening to this voicemail. To send me an uh, email at uh, Podcast at gmail.com or you know, send me a message on the 11 o'clock comics forums. And uh, if you're interested in doing any sort of geek-related segment, 
just to, go ahead, send me a message, and I'll we'll talk about it. Uh, sorry to, you know, do this on your hotmail, uh, your hotmail, your hotline, your hotline or your voicemail, right? Which makes it hotmail, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Um, anyway, uh, I just want to say that uh, I picked up recently the uh, the Will Eisner contract with God trilogy. Uh, I just finished the contract with God. It was amazing. Uh, I never doubted Will Eisner's abilities, but I never just I never got a chance to really look at his stuff until pretty recently when uh, Darwin Cook did Spirit, and I sort of looked at the uh, archives a little bit. Uh, but definitely, he is a master storyteller. I hope to one day be as good as him, at least writing-wise. Um, who knows with the art? Well, yeah, uh, that's it. I uh, hope things are good for you guys. And uh, I got cut off last time, but I meant to say that I'm. Hey guys, look, it's me sending another voicemail. I sent one Thursday, I'm sending one today on Saturday. This is, of course, the legendary Raph Radio, the wraith maker on the forums. And uh, I'm just about, you're just wrapping up episode 77 of Lone Cock Comics. And I just want to say this respect the king, you respect the dap. Everyone bow down to the dap. Da, 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 da. I can't even say it right, to the dap. I can't believe, but of course I can't believe that the dap broke Vince P's heart. I haven't figured out a nickname for Vince yet, but yeah, I I, I do understand that, and uh, I'm I'm sorry Vince for the dap, for for His Majesty the, the dapness, the daposity, the dapaliciousness. Um, I do gotta say that uh, I really like the uh, contract with God trilogy. I'm in the middle chapter. I called you when I was in the first chapter. Now I'm in the middle chapter. Life Force. It's really good. Um. I didn't expect, you know, a lot of these uh, human interest stories, like the, the Eisner's, Eisner's stuff is considered the first graphic novel. I mean, a lot of it, you know, is I can see a lot of influence for, in uh, other people's works who decide to do uh, semi-autobiographical or semi-biographical stuff. It's or even autobiographical, straight up. I mean, the storytelling, the narrative of Eisner is magical, and uh, that's all I wanted to say. Besides, respect the dap. Bow down to the dap. Oh, wait, no, no, wait. There's that other thing. I... I was going through books, like I said. Did you guys buy Marvel Shadows and Light when it came out back in the day? Have you ever, uh, no, have you ever heard of the title? First issue, no. There, it, it was, bell, it bell. was an all black and white book. There is a Ladrone Blade. Huh? Story in the issue that I have. Oh, good lord! It's unbelievable. Really? And I was I, I was looking through the book, saying, "Why don't I have this in a mylar bag?" <laughs> because it's amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, which is even better because now I'm just going to bind it with something. Oh, you know, you mentioning Ladrone made me think of Cable. Of, of, well, yes, but then made me think of Elephant Men, which made me think of Moritat, who you know we got to spend some time with at Windy City, which reminds me that. He is in uh, one of the better books to come out last week, which was the uh, the second issue of Liberty Comics, the CLB, the the, the yes, yeah. book. Yeah, um, yeah it was uh, so. I don't know if you guys have had a chance to leave through that, but it is. Uh, I'm only about halfway through it because I just started reading it on the way home tonight. But uh, it's a treat, and um, uh, I guess a lot of people are talking up the fact that uh, there's. I haven't uh, I haven't read the story, but I did look at the art. Jim Lee uh, does a, a, um, 
a book in there, and it, it's not. It's when you think of Jim Lee, it doesn't look like the art that you think of with Jim Lee. Um, is, is it a woman featured in the story, and it's very, uh, yeah. very gesture-like drawing, and yes, um, very loose. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Mm-hmm. Really yeah. nice. Um, yeah, I didn't know it was so, Jim Lee when I saw the artwork. I had a mm-hmm. uh, I, yeah. Uh, so, um, but uh, I, I love that book, and it's also for great cause. You know, obviously, it right. helps a uh, very yeah. good. Uh, so if you guys, I heard it's actually not a lot of a lot of shops didn't pre-order many copies. So I heard it's actually not easy to get off the shelves. But uh, you know, you should be able to if you're looking for it. You know, you can track it down. It's it's worth it. I mean, just I really enjoyed the first one too. It's just you know, it's an anthology book, and I've been geeking on the anthologies. But uh, but the artwork in the in in this one uh, is just uh, top notch and. Uh, it's good stuff, and and I guess a lot of people are excited about the. Um, it's the first time that uh, in a long time we've seen the apocalypticus. Pocket, am I saying that right? Oh Apocalypse? yeah, yeah. Yep. Which, which I have sure. no real history with. Yeah, I have no real history with that. But but uh, but I, apparently it's big doings that that that's that there's a new story there on that as well. So lots of different stuff to like if if you're into uh, anthologies. And speaking of Moritat, there is an image book coming out uh, in January. Called Orc Stain with story and art by James Stokoe, and okay. there's a tip of the hat to Moritat on one of the pages. Uh, it looks like a post-apocalyptic fantasy type tale, and there's a location in the book called Moritat Gorge. <laughs> so it's like more conceptual continuity and image. It's uh, 32 pages for 2.99, full color. It's uh, a one-eyed orc with the ability to find the weak spot in any structure has started to notice cracks in the endless war and conquest of orc existence. James Stokoe, who won over the hearts and minds with his space trucking cooking adventure, Wonton Soup, which is excellent. I think it was published by IDW. Brings you his first... No, it wasn't. It was published by Oni. Uh, brings you his first ongoing series, Frontline Green Slaughter Comics in Full Orc Color. So I guess this orc is the Karnak of the orc world. Pretty cool. <laughs> and uh, the art looks really nice. Very beautiful artwork. Cross between our friend Paul Pope, maybe a little bit of Riley Rossmo thrown in. It, it's it's really nice, but it's coming out in uh, January. So nice. keep an eye out for it, yeah. And Jack, Jack Staff is getting relaunched. Yes, I'm excited about that. The Weird World of Jack Staff. Paul Grist. Got to get um, it. Did you guys pick up the uh, the noir book from Dark Horse? It'll be coming in my box. It Same is, here. Same here. It is twelve ninety five from Dark Horse. And let me read off some of the folks that are in this and what's in this little uh, little trade. There's a new Stray Bullets story by David Laffham. Really? Uh, yeah. Uh huh. There is a uh, um, original uh, written and illustrated story by our buddy Jeff Lemire. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's a Mr. X story. Nice. There by Dean is, Motter. Yep. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, Baker and Phillips. There is a criminal story in here, which is interesting that there is a criminal story in a Dark Horse book. Uh, there is a uh, written and illustrated Paul Grist story, which. You reminded me, talking about Jack Staff, reminded me of this. Uh, there's uh, stuff by Rick Geary. Uh, nice. It's a, it's a big, a long list of people. Brian Azzarillo, uh, with, uh, Fabio Moon and Gabriel Ba. Nice. In it. I mean, it's a, it's a cool little, you know, almost, uh, yeah, it's basically an anthology. It's a little anthology piece. There's even a, uh, a prose. Story in here with illustrations, kind of like the you know the old school 
um, illustrated novels. Uh, but man, just a, just a really nice showcase of different styles of, uh, of noir storytelling. Very cool how, stuff. How could that not be a hit with that list of creators? I know. Oh. And at that price. Yep. Yeah, exactly. That's, uh, yeah. well, that's why we all ordered it, right? A, a friend of mine came to the comic shop with me today. He's a, a very big fan of no, uh, noir. I brought him to the shop specifically to show him that book. Mm-hmm. He, he paged through it and put it back on the table and started looking at something else. And I said to myself, a noir fan, a crime fan, how could you put that book down? Yeah. How could you, why, why wouldn't you noir. walk out? Yeah. Why wouldn't you walk out of the shop with that? You're the target. It's tailor made for you. I guess he's a hard sell. Is he, does he read comics at all? Yes. That's the guy I sold all my Hellblazers to. Hmm. So he's a he, noir fan and he, he reads is. I know. If I didn't love him so much, I would have just slapped him upside the head. What's wrong with you? Yeah. Hello. Does he have something against black and white comics? No, he likes black and white comics. Yeah. Is he, I don't know. Is Is he he gay? No, I don't know. Is he he un-American? He's a good boy. He's a good boy. But I've been trying to get him to buy Filthy Rich, too, and he just keeps holding off on it. Yeah, I mean, mean, Filthy Rich, he would like because it is... I mean that's that's straight up noir, straight up noir. Yeah, um, that and 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 the hunter. Yeah, has he read part? I was going to say, has he read the hunter yet? Very, yes, he has it. Very okay. big fan of criminal. Uh, although he doesn't buy it, he's read the he's read the first one. Um, he also adores sleeper. Well, he's not that big of a fan then. Well, right, right. He's he he likes it. sleeper a lot too, and I mm-hmm. I just didn't get it. But but that's that's the nature of of buyers. Sometimes oh, they yeah. just don't buy. Uh, yeah, yeah. For whatever reason, maybe he was a little short this week. I don't know. Who knows? Who the hell knows? Who did? All right, boys. We're hey, overtime. Uh, you I got, got something I, else I, you want to? Well, I just want to mention two things. Um, yeah, go uh, ahead. I, uh, first of all, I wanted to give a quick thanks to Johnny M on the forums. Um, Johnny was selling some stuff on the cheap to make room in his uh, comic room. And I availed myself and uh, I bought um, 1985. Um, oh, you dick. You're the one who got that? I am the one who got that. Uh, uh, trade, Bullseye's, greatest, yep, Bullseye's Greatest Hits, which actually, now that I've leafed through the trade, I realize I actually own the issues and had read it already, but it's still cool to have the trade. Yeah. Uh, and then the uh, the thing I was most excited about, um, I, he sold me the Thor one-shots, which I had not picked up when they first came out, the Fraction uh, three one-shots. Yeah. So um, I read the first one, but I'll, I'll wait to talk about them until I finish the other two, because I think they cool. kind of all go together. So but, pretty. Uh, yeah, so thanks to Johnny. And then the other thing I just wanted to mention quickly, because um, it, it's actually not that far from now, is the Wild Pig sale. Um, and I, Vince, you are still planning on coming with Marty, yes? You betcha. Nice. Okay, so uh, Wild Pig is a store in um, New Jersey, in central New Jersey, in uh, Kenilworth. They have a, I've mentioned it uh, six months ago when they had it, they have every six months they have a huge 50% off sale. And this is not like one of those sales where they kind of just keep some things out on the, and took, take all the good stuff and put it in the back. I mean, uh, Chris is a great owner, and he really believes that the key to staying alive in that business and running a small shop is is turning over his inventory so that there's always new stuff for people. So it really is 50% off everything from, you know, Golden Age wall books to Omnibuy to statues to, you know, Bronze Age books to new stuff. And uh, and it's amazing. He's going to have 60,000 back issues uh, I think three thousand trades, um, and uh, it's just a, it's a great time. It's almost like a mini convention, and uh, I'm going to be there. I think it'll be my fifth 
fifth time going out of six. And like I said, if you like to buy comics of any kind and, and, and you feel like saving some money and you're anywhere in the area, definitely come out and there'll be a lot of people that you know from our forums and Vince, you'll be there, Marty, and I'll be there. And, uh, uh, malpractice is usually there and sometimes Ian and, and Wraithmaker come. So it's, uh, it's, it's a good, good time. time. And yeah, so, um, yeah. that'll be Saturday the 14th at noon till 10 PM and, and Sunday the 15th. But, uh, if anyone's thinking of going, I would, I would come on Saturday and, and not Sunday just because, I mean, the, the place gets get wiped uh, out. Yeah, first couple hours, I mean, people buy the shit out of stuff. Uh, so you're going to want to yeah. get there early if you want to kind of have the pick of the litter. So. Yeah. I, I turned I'll over my, my inventory last night, unfortunately. Not the same way that yeah. they're turning yeah. over their inventory. Yeah, oh, show. But, <laughs> yeah. So uh, this episode was sponsored by Discount Comic Book Service. That's dcbservice.com. Get your books at a significant a very helpful discount, which means you can buy more of them at dcbservice.com. Absolutely. And in your travels, oh, you brought up uh, Thor, Ages of Thunder. You know, I said sent a message to David uh, after I read it. I said, when the hell did Patrick Zercher get this good? Oh, I know. It's almost know. overnight. I mean, he yeah. was yeah. he was of a certain caliber before this, but oh, my good Lord. It's gorgeous. No it question. is. Yeah, it really yeah. is gorgeous. Yeah. And Kari and uh, Evans isn't uh, not to sneeze at either back there. No, 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 no. In your travels, pick up X Men Legacy because if you don't, you're going to be wishing you did. Yeah, there get it go. for the art. No, uh, get it for the story I too. Know, I know. I did that, baby. <laughs> pick up a uh, new trade that uh, that just came out today. Um, a series that I think got overlooked by a lot of people. If you are a World War II fan, as I am. You need to pick up Storming Paradise by Chuck Dixon and uh-huh. Chuck Dixon there and Butch Geist. Nice, nice. It is awesome. Alternate, alternate uh, timeline of uh, what if uh, we didn't drop the bomb on uh-huh. Japan and instead uh, uh, had a, um, a traditional um, invasion. Of uh, or a conventional invasion, I guess I yeah. should say, of of Japan. What that uh, what the end of the uh, of that conflict would have been like. So, Storming Paradise, awesome, awesome series from uh, uh, Wildstorm earlier this year is out in trade now. Yeah, all right. Jackson's one of those unsung heroes of comics. You're right. Oh, you're did right. I say? Did I say Butch? Well, it is. It is Butch. It's, it's Butch Jackson. Oh, okay. Yeah. Bush yeah. and Jackson, same guy. Um, and if you're, if you're in the mood for another collected edition, uh, by all means, please avail yourself of Three Story, The Secret History of the Giant Man by Matt Kint. Mm. Uh, I will talk about it next week, but, uh, it, it comes with my highest recommendation. It's fantastic. Whoa. Did he tear up that fucking, uh, Black Widow story in, uh, in Strange Tales or what? He did. And, and we saw the, uh, he had the, I don't know if you, you were running around like, yeah. yeah, he had the originals at Windy City. I didn't know if you got a chance to check them out because you were running around like a madman. But, uh, yeah, he had the originals and he, he uh, they're gorgeous. But, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, he, he was, he was proud of them. <laughs> as, as I said earlier, uh, Vigilante, especially even if you're not reading the series, then, then get issue 11. Okay. And for the rundown. This episode, we talked about listener email, The Stand, Captain Trips, and American Nightmares with Mike Perkins, Stan Lee, Marvel Visionaries, Namor, or Namer, as I'm so fond of calling him, <laughs> Hitman. The, sub, the, the Submariner. Right. Uh, Hitman, Heart of Empire by Brian Talbot, the Superman family of titles, Scott McCloud Zot, 
and Cat Ironwood, Osamu Tezuka, the God of Manga, uh, Darkness Pit, Simpsons Treehouse of Horror number 15, a harrowing comic experience with beer, Vigilante, Chris yawning a couple times, Blackest Night, <laughs> Cloak and Dagger, X-Men Legacy 228, Liberty Comics number 2, Noir from Dark Horse, Thor, Ages of Thunder, and something I can't make out. You just one, said it. One stain, number one, 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 st- I can't read my own writing. Well, was there a first issue of something we talked about? One something? I don't know. Damn three it. Story? Was, guys, was the three the, story? The Dixon Sky, uh, guy's book? No, I didn't write oh, that story, down. Right? Story, um, story yeah, yeah, I'm not that story. fast. Um, one, one staring. Wild one, pig? One, uh, I have no idea. Yeah, drama to strain. Yeah, if, if, if the listeners will figure it out. Cause they're what, good <laughs> and <laughs> so thank you for being here and yeah, join thanks, us guys. join us next week won't you well we'll just have so. another big old free for all on comics yes. Beautiful. Yes. The, no scripts here except for Vince but yeah. he deviates from his own script so I do well I didn't want to <laughs> I wanted to stress the importance of Mr. Tezuka I'm I'm giddy I didn't know you were going to talk about him and he's uh he's one of those people I know more about the man than I do his actual work, but yeah. he's fascinating. And, yeah. and if you have a little bit of free time this weekend, go see Astro Boy, oh, because yeah. I, I'm hoping they do that interconnectedness of life angle to it, and they they champion the cause of of the the living being in, in the movie through the 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 robot. That's the way I'm hoping they do it, because I, I obviously it's going to be a knock 'em uh, down free for all with battles and everything. But I do hope that they they put the subtext in it. I'm sure. Yeah, they it's did. like it's like Pinocchio meets Robotech. It is Pinocchio. He wants to be a real boy. Yeah. And he is a real boy, even though he's a machine. So, wahoo, Tezuka. All right. Wow. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next week. Bye. 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 There you go, Astro Boy. Bold adventure you face. Win the race into space. Very soon you'll land on the moon. Astro Boy past the stars. On your way out to Mars, Cosmic Ranger, laugh at danger, you will set the pace, Astro Boy. Rocket high through the sky, strange new worlds you will spy, Adam sailed, jet propelled. With your searchlight, eye flashing by, Astro Boy, there you go. Will you find friend or foe? What can I do to be like you and become a real Astro Boy?